Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hey, it is Pump Day. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, with Brooke Grimsley and Dan McLaughlin and Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. Happy hump day, kids. How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing good. good. You're fired up, aren't you, I'm Randy? I'm fired up. Oh, yeah. What I got am. you so fired up? Hump day? Uh, no, Jim Harbaugh, man. He, uh, Jim Harbaugh interviewing with the Falcons. I mean, who, who do the Falcons think they are? Do you think they... they, they all due respect, Anthony Salter, I know you're listening, but the Falcons aren't a good organization. Why are these people interviewing with the Falcons? Just so that they can own a Home Depot or something? You guys have to... Uh... Explain something to me. Yes, sir. Yes. Jim Harbaugh is still the head coach of Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. He is. Yes. Okay, so he is interviewed with the Chargers. He is interviewed with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out if he's still the head coach of Michigan. And I know he did this the year before, and then he goes out and wins a national title. Yeah. So I guess the kids that are in the program are like, yeah, whatever. He leaves. So what? He stays. Yeah. I'm cool with it. It's all good. That's exactly what they're thinking. Okay, thank you. They all know it's a business. It is. This time feels real, though, right? That something's actually Mm going to happen here. He's going to go to the NFL. It feels like it's lining up to that. So he can just get away from that whole situation at Michigan, right off into the sunset and over to the NFL to try to compete against his brother now. And now he knows what Atlanta is willing to offer with their money and their power. And he can go back to the Spanos family and say, okay, here's what I'm being offered in Atlanta, but I'd prefer to be in L.A. with Justin Herbert. So can you give me this deal, please? Can they give him a quarterback? That's what I'd be asking. Atlanta? Yeah. Yes. No. That's what I'm <laughs> Those are so important. So then I'm going huh? back to San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes sense. Isn't it slam dunk that he seems to be the perfect fit with the Chargers? It He's does. I said fit, San yeah. Diego. L.A. is what I meant. All right. It's a bad habit, I guess. It's I got to get out of it. It's a good habit. I think a lot of people forget anyway. It's a good habit. Yeah. So if, you're the Falcons, if you're the Falcons in these, in these interviews, you're like, can I interest you in an overdraft of Michael Penix Jr.? Yeah. No? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Give me Justin Herbert. You take J.J. McCarthy over Penix. Yeah, I bet he would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. What else you got, Randall? Uh, I got that the Billikens lost again last night. Yeah, under 500 now. 70-65, they lost to Dayton, which actually for them, losing by five at Dayton, yeah, that's a, a success. Uh, Deron Holmes pours in 25 Second half points was the only flyer in double figures. So, uh, kudos to the Billiken defense. Slow clap. Seventy sixty-five. No. This is just not a great year. Not a particularly great year for our Billikens of St. Louis University. Meanwhile, Alabama, Hamburg, Missouri, ninety-three seventy-five, and uh, 
this was not great. This uh, Aiden Shaw, Missouri player, gets pushed, shoved by one of the Alabama people. Nate Oates. Oh, their yes. coach. The head, head coach. coach. A, yes. a head coach can never, ever. I don't care if you're on the coaching staff, you're the head coach. You can't touch an opposing player, period. And if you do, you're out. It's that simple. These coaches are going crazy. I don't know how much college basketball you guys have watched here in the last month or so. Coaches are going bananas on the sidelines, which they always have done. But they're on the court more than they ever have been. You have Nate Oates touching a player last night. He should be ejected. At least a technical foul. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. It's You cannot touch an opposing player, period. It just never, ever should happen in a, in a basketball game. And, and he's fired. Game. At Ohio State. <laughs> that he, was a little different when he came out and just smoked a guy. Yeah. This one was still. just kind of a subtle push. It was. Well, and he was trying to say that he was breaking up the fight. But to me, if no. you go and look at the video, it was very intentional in the way that he just really shoved his chest out of the way and even did the little flick of his hand at the end that felt more disrespectful. I mm-hmm. thought Mizzou had a chance to win this game. But after the under-16 timeout, fans were told they could move closer down to the court, and it really did have an impact on the uh, atmosphere in a positive way for Alabama. Mm -hmm. The last uh, couple of games that they've had in the SEC have been winnable games. You had Georgia, you had South Carolina at home. They've got Florida now on Saturday. That's going to be a tough game. So tough road right now for both programs here in St. Louis. And I want to go back to SLU for just a moment. Do you guys think the heat has been turned up right now on Travis Ford? Yes. I Well, just my personal perception. I, I think he needs to do better. But I don't know if the tools are in place. That's the one thing I don't know is what sort of commitment has been made by the administration to allow Travis Ford to succeed at a high level. Granted, they built the, the facility and it's a great facility. But from an NIL standpoint, from uh, paying assistant coaches, I don't know where SLU is. And this is a different environment than it was even two years ago. And I don't know what the buyout might be with mm-hmm. his contract, too, which would play into this, right. I would assume. And... What's the appetite of the administration of the boosters to pay another coach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Slu has now lost 18 straight against ranked opponents, mm-hmm. and they're having a, a tough year. And it's going to get tougher on Friday. They go on the road at VCU. Probably don't win that game. I mentioned this last week. Ken Palm has them at 12 wins for this season. I, I love Travis Ford. I know him very well, and, and having done the games for a number of years, uh, enjoyed being around him. I just wonder what the uh, the temperature right now is on the, the seat of Travis Ford. One thing that I would like to see is, whether it's Chris May or Dr. Pastello, somebody go to the Pacific Northwest and interview the president of Gonzaga when they got good. And <laughs> I say, what did you do? Because obviously, St. Louis, you... Same size schools. Uh, they have virtually the identical number of students, both uh, Catholic institutions, both with not great histories, Gonzaga until the last 20 years. I would try to find out what, and by the way, similar markets in terms of the basketball that is available to them. I would try to find out what Gonzaga did to become Gonzaga. I wonder too, and you mentioned that the O'Loughlin Center opened up for all the athletes, but let's be honest, it's mm-hmm. basketball that drives that train down there, or, you know, whatever, drives the bus. And uh, if, if you have that kind of facility, you have Shapitz Arena, which is a really good college basketball facility, um, how frustrated they are at this point, having done some of these things that I'm sure Travis was asking about 
and wanted to have happen. And so far, it's just not worked out here this year. And it's going to be a tougher go down the stretch for the Billikens, for sure. Well, the biggest thing is conference play, too, and how you compete in that. And if they aren't able to compete in that well, that's when the heat starts to turn up even more so. And I understand that they've had this huge changing of the guards when you look at their roster, right? You don't have Yuri Collins there now. You don't have even a Fred Thatch. You had Hassan French. It felt like they had kind of that veteran identity guy every single year. Javante Perkins. Mm-hmm. This year, nothing against Gibson Jimerson. Big game, or, Jim. Yeah, or Terrence Hartgrove Jr., but it's not the same this season of having that kind of identity player that we're used to seeing with the Billikens. Do you see SLU winning on the road? Right now, they have one win away from home, and that was the neutral floor game against Wyoming. So, you know, a lot of things just not pointing in the right direction for SLU here in this season. No, it has been a rough go. Meanwhile, had an opportunity to head on over to the ballpark yesterday, and the Cardinals have their annual Red Ribbon Committee a Hall of Fame get-together. It was you got to... some secrets for us? What do you got? I have, I have no secrets. You, but can't, was... you can't say anything, can <laughs> good, you? Good to see everybody. If I had secrets, they'd be secrets. I can keep a secret. Daniel. You can keep a secret. Okay. Yeah, so, Does everybody get a red ribbon? Uh, we do. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we kind of, we, we are all winners. You had a good lunch, I bet. A great lunch. Yeah. yeah. But it, you can't talk about great. what happened behind closed doors. Not even you? the lunch. There is a lot of consternation. I, it was really interesting the other night at the, at the writer's dinner. There was even somebody that booed Mr. DeWitt there. Yeah, be, when he was introduced. Come on, people. Was be, it just one better. person? Just a couple, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, but just kind of weird. Can I say something yes. very fast? I bet, though, as in, let's set the table here. You guys present cases for various individuals in Cardinals yes. history. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. You've been on the record with this. You've said it on the air a bunch of times. I would imagine you made a case for Dave Duncan. Yes. I okay. try to make a I case can say that, for right? Duncan every year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because. The Cardinals would not have had their little mini, if you want to call it a dynasty, getting to four World Series. Let's just say three, 06, uh, 04, 06, 11. They wouldn't have been able to do that without Dave Duncan. And sure. you can go to all those NLCSs. He was... He, he was outstanding. He, he really was. Jeff Weaver won game five of a World Series for yeah. you. He, he clinched a World Series for you. And they, he did a lot of amazing things with pitchers here in St. Louis. I always felt like he was ahead of analytics. You, you had the big you book, yep. and in that was kind of what you see as the the precursor of what we enjoy with, if you do enjoy it, modern day analytics. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Dave Duncan deserves a, uh, a red jacket. Now, uh, here's a question that popped up. Is it unreasonable for fans to expect a larger financial risk by Cardinal ownership to get more expensive players on their roster. And Bill DeWitt Jr., the Cardinal chairman, was asked about that and about the payroll during the course of the winter warm-up over the uh, holiday weekend. The way the game is set up now, the big markets have an advantage in terms of revenue they generate, and, you know, they're taking advantage of that. So, you you know, we're, we're, we're in a certain level of the market and try to do everything we can to compete with that and, uh, of course, the other teams that we play. But, um, you know, it's kind of the nature of the game. You compete the best way you can, and I, we've always felt that draft and develop is the cardinal model, and it's played out pretty well for us over the years. So, you know, we'll continue to do that, but pick our spots on free agents, and, um, you know, we're feel like we can compete with anybody you know i think we saw this last year where uh you know some some of the higher price payrolls didn't necessarily do that well 
um, baseball's interesting game that way. One thing I would say about taking their shots in free agency, that's really my biggest issue with the Cardinals. It's not how much they spend, but how they spend. The fact that, aside from Wilson Contreras, the other two biggest expenditures in free agency from the outside have been Mike Leake and Dexter Fowler. And uh, giving this is a team that I know that they looked at the back end of the Johnny Peralta contract and said, okay, it's not going to be great. And it wasn't. But can they afford to be in a situation where they have uh, a nearly $20 million player who's not performing well for them? Andrew Miller, uh, Brett Cecil, you, you go down the line, there have been a lot of failures in free agency for the Cardinals. So that would be my only real beef complaint. And that's the biggest thing is that I think that that's the key there. Now, the expectations, I feel like, are a little bit different, possibly. Just kind of reading the room via social media of what mm-hmm. fans think that they should be spending. But he's not wrong. If you looked at everything that happened with the Mets last year, even the Padres, mm-hmm. spending a lot of money doesn't guarantee wins for you. It doesn't guarantee a championship. Even the Dodgers, the fact that they spent that much money last year, they always spend a lot of money. But it didn't guarantee them a trip all the way to the World Series, did it? No, and that's just the way that it works out sometimes. Right now, they are at 100, uh, roughly around $177 million when it comes to payroll. They set that goal of possibly or a threshold of $200 million. They haven't hit that just yet, so they still have some wiggle room if they're still shopping around for a reliever or something like that. But I do think, and I appreciate him being realistic about where they're at in terms of spending. Mm-hmm. Now, is that something that lands well with the fan base? They have and he's correct. They have drafted and developed very well. Now, have they evaluated the talent once it's gotten there very well? And I think the answer at this point in recent history would be no. No. I mean, with some of these players that have gotten away, if you still had Alcantara, if you still had Adolis Garcia, if you still had Randy Arozarena, uh, then you're not talking about going out and signing some of the free agents that maybe have not been successful at times here in St. Louis. So <clears throat> when you bring in a Heim Bloom, and you bring in an outside voice, if you will, and his, his fingerprints are all over some of the guys that they're bringing in right now. Um, it's a different set of eyeballs to try to help them. And you need to develop, and hopefully Walker will be an MVP. Dodgers developed Bellinger. The Braves developed Acuna. Uh, it looks like uh, Corbin Carroll is on his way to being yep. that sort of a player with Arizona. And the Cardinals, Red Sox, Mookie Betts, the, the Cardinals have not developed that sort of a player. So that's something we'll talk about as this show unfolds. Coming up, though, it is hump day here on 101 ESPN and in St. Louis and in the United States of America. And it's kind of cold here, but you might have it warm wherever you are. Uh, but if you have a question about life in general, uh, Uncle Dan is here. No, and, I'm not. Uh, no, I want to jump in and ask some questions okay. of, to well, Uncle Randy. If, if I'm you, just cousin Dan. If, okay. If you have a question <laughs> about what are you, Brooke? life in general. I, I don't know. I guess I'm you, aunt or cousin. You're Brooke? your aunt. She has, she has answers for us. 314-399-9646. Yo! Three one four three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine four six. That's the yeah. Okay, give us a little a, yo ho, little uh, tiny, <laughs> little tiny yo ho. Yo ho! There oh, we go. There you yeah. go. Ask Uncle Randy is next on one hundred and one ESPN. Oh. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one hundred and one ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Uncle Randy, let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN.
show? I have. Uncle Randy's been around. He can help you out. No, I'm just getting warmed up. I am. I am. So send us your text, and we'd love to hear from you uh, with any Ask Uncle Randy question that you might have on this beautiful Wednesday morning in St. Louis, January 17th, 2024. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope you're doing well uh, on the Air Comfort, uh, or I'm sorry, the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam. Uh, just go to YouTube. Go to YouTube.com. Type in 101 ESPN STL. And please subscribe to our channel. And you can watch the show. Everybody's very happy here. Everybody's very excited for Ask Uncle Randy. Here we go. I enjoy Uncle Randy. Yeah. Okay, let's do is it. Is this your alter ego, you think? Or, no, I mean, what is this? This is you. This is him all the time, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Off the air. You're right. Off the, uh, yeah. <laughs> Danny seemed to be champing at the bit a little bit with his own question. Do you want to lead off? No. Ask Uncle I, Randy? No, or no, no. Hit the text line? I'm not champing on the bit just yet. I'll, I'll follow up on some of these that we have. Okay. All right. This is an oldie. We get this one a lot, the, the general oeuvre, uh-huh. if you will, but I like this question. Okay. Uncle Randy, my girlfriend and I got engaged middle of December. With that said, we have our wedding date planned for late November 2024. Uh-huh. It's been pretty stressful and at times a bit crazy with the planning and my fiance's mom wanting to try and take control over things that we should be making decisions on. What's a way we can make sure she knows we need to make those final decisions in a way to keep these times less stressful as possible? <laughs> okay, uh, this is your wife's job. Oh, dang. Uh, this is uh, your fiance's job. But if her mom, there's a couple of points to go here. Because many times it's the bride's parents that pay for the wedding. And you have to give them a little entree into making them think that they're helping plan. But the other part of it is, and this is not harsh, but what your fiance has to do, perhaps at your, through Uncle Randy's recommendation is, go to her mom and say, Mom, I'm glad that you and Dad got married and I hope you had a wonderful wedding that you got an opportunity to plan. This is my wedding. And as much as I really appreciate the fact that you're trying to help us out here, we kind of want to plan it ourselves. No, that so, ain't going to work. Well, we love <laughs> that you ain't gonna work. and we appreciate. Yeah, I, I think it can. But it's got to be the the. I've been offspring. around, you know. <laughs> it's got to it's be the offspring. But uh, like I said, you have to give, especially if they're paying, you have to give her a little bit of entree into believing that uh, it's her idea. But uh, no, you can't. She'll she'll know if if her daughter tells her you're being a little bit overbearing. She'll understand. I promise. Not a chance. Hopefully, that's always the biggest thing, right? In the middle of wedding planning myself, and I understand all the stress that comes with it. Mm-hmm. It feels like things just continue to pop up over and over again. Things that you didn't even think about were a possibility. So I understand it. And it sounds like maybe he already has some history of this where he would know that maybe she oversteps her boundaries a little bit. It does have to be up to her daughter Mm -hmm. to be able to set those firm boundaries and mean it. And also, if you could have at least like a day of coordinator or something like that, or maybe even talk to somebody else who has experience with planning, they kind of can set those ground rules and expectations too. If your daughter, great if, idea. If your wife, soon to be wife, yep. is a little bit concerned about that, great idea, Brooke. Thanks for that advice. It's really simple, yeah, Brooke. I, I think you guys are missing it. But what? you say it's your fiance and the fiance's mom. You guys handle it. I'm just on board and I'm happy to be here. Love you both. And uh, whatever you guys say, I'm in. Oh, you can do that as the guy. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I don't think that the fiancé wants that. That's the issue here. Oh, I thought it was the uh, fiancé's mom. 
It is yes. the fiance. It is the fiance's yeah, mom. Yeah, it is the future wife's mother. And yeah. The, the texter, I believe, is the groom, future groom. Yeah. Yeah. Just leave it up to them. The, 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 clearly, Just go along Let with it. Duke it out if it gets bad. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and yes, the, the groom doesn't care. Maybe he does. He does. Yeah. Oh, little, maybe mine, a little. Mine does maybe, a pretty good little. job of getting involved with everything. Okay. Good. Yeah. Dear Uncle Randy, I coach an 11-under baseball team. They mm-hmm. are not very motivated or excited to play. What can I do to get them to want to be the best version of themselves? The key, and Danny has dealt with this a lot with the young people, the key is to try to get them to have fun. And you know what? For some kids, it's the orange slices at the end of the game. We're going yep. to get ice cream at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is going to be passionate about wanting to win baseball games at the age of 11. You just roll with it and let them try to make it fun and teach them the fundamentals of the game and don't worry about winning and losing games. Never light up a cigar after they win (laughs) and just try to allow them to have fun. Your main job is to not be too intense and when they're 11 years old and they make a baseball mistake, you say, Here's how we do this. Uh, I, I know you're trying hard, but here's how we do this. And just try to teach the fundamentals. Kind of like, well, forget it. I would say, and I know where you're going with that, too. <laughs> just the Cardinals, you know, a little fundamental baseball oh, yeah. is where you're going with this. Yeah. Uh, I would say to them, do you realize how lucky you are to walk, throw, run, and play? There are a lot of kids that can't do that. Oh, Kenny Yamaguchi. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, I'm serious about that. I, you know, mm-hmm. so he was really good too. Don't take it for granted. Go out and have some fun with it. Yeah, I'm also with you that coaches go crazy. I saw in a uh, soccer game this weekend. I saw a coach grab a kid and scream at him. Unacceptable. Oh my it's unacceptable. What yep. age? Uh, these were teenagers. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Teenagers. Not nope. Wow. Not great so, at all. So uh, it might frustrate you to have the 11-year-olds that aren't motivated. But you know what? I'll tell you, none of these kids are playing Major League Baseball. So just ha- you have fun with it. <laughs> it's no that, truer yeah. statement. Are you saying like one day they will, right? No. They all will accomplish it, you, right? Well, you can tell no. them, hey, keep. <laughs> if that's your dream, you go for it. Don't yeah. kill a dream. But the reality is it probably ain't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your swing playing at? Well, here's the thing. The majors, sorry, buddy. If, if they are motivated to play baseball at 11 years old right now, they're they aren't yeah. playing in the majors. I would agree with that, too. That's a really good point. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Jungle Randy, what is the acceptable amount of time to spend checking your phone on the toilet at work? P.S. This message was sent from the commode. Um, I'm going to go... 25 minutes. 10 minutes. I'm going to... 10 minutes. 10 minutes? Yep. That's the max. That's the max. That's the max. Max out at 10 minutes, yeah. What kind of job are you working? Ten minutes? That's a long time. I know it is. That's That's why it's the max. But nobody knows you're in there. So you just go in. What is an acceptable time? Acceptable time. <laughs> Don't take your phone in with you. Do, do the 60 seconds and get the hell out of there. 60 seconds? <laughs> 60 wow. Se- yeah. You're setting some strict ground rules. If Randy was the boss, no. he'd be right over by it oh, in the bathroom yeah. saying, all right, well, I just I, I just maxed him out at 10. I said they can go 10. <laughs> what about a commercial break in radio? <laughs> uh, three. Three. Yeah, yeah, you got to do your business and get back. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. But uh, no, if, if you're working a real job, uh, and now you've taken your phone in with you. So this is a thing. You're, you're texting and stuff, uh, right? So they, nope. it's different. So uh, 10 minutes. Boss makes a dollar. I make Max. a dime. That's why I go on company time. Bingo. There you go, man. Oh, well done. The guy on Red <laughs> Zone is uh, my hero. Scott Hansen. The way that he oh, does he's it. He's unbelievable. He's yeah. great, but he doesn't miss a beat, man. No. 
I guess he's the, a good guest. He's a fun guest. We should get him. Something. I was thinking about like when does he go to the bathroom, and then I noticed the in the final weekend. They just put the sound up of a few games and then cut back and forth. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing like, hey, we're going to Cleveland and Joe Flacco is inside the 20. There was none of that. It was just Joe Flacco was inside the 20. Oh. With oh. the sound up, you're hearing the announcers and, you know, oh, that's okay. what they did. I'm assuming he had a bathroom break. Uh-huh. That would be my guess. <laughs> I feel like he never gets a break. It that's really does feel like that. There was a time where the uh, there was alarms going off in their studio in like week like fourteen or something like that, and the absolute panic oh, yeah. on his face that he was going to have to leave the studio for more than like two minutes was apparent. He was like, "I don't want to, I don't want to leave." He's I'm awesome. Not going. Yeah, I think great. he does a hell of a job. One time we had a tornado warning here, and I wouldn't. Uh, I was forced to leave the studio. I didn't want to, and everybody, you know, the uh, stairwell that you guys we all come up because oh our God. our. Uh, our elevator doesn't work, but, uh, but that's yeah. good for you to walk the steps it, for your heart. It is. It is it's good. So anyway, uh, they made us go into the stairwell with the tornado warning. I was ready to go down with with the ship, but uh, I was going to keep talking. I was I was going to go wall to wall, but they wouldn't let me. Our uh, HR person at the time, Amanda, said, "Nope, you gotta you gotta leave." So I I left and I. Uh, I, I was I was uh, unlike I, I was like the the Titanic guy. I I left. So what they put on the air. <laughs> I think we'd put on ESPN. I'm not sure. You have to watch out for yourself too, Randy. You have to protect yourself as well. I, no, I, I wanted I wanted to take care of the awesome listenership of St. Louis and beyond. <clears throat> wow, That's, I don't know wow. if I could get through a morning without you, Mayor St. Louis. <laughs> I, I got out of I got out of jury duty one time doing that. There you go. I, I went to the judge, and I said, uh, he said, uh, why can't you do jury duty? And I said. <laughs> Because St. Louis needs me. St. Louis <laughs> needs me. Like Batman. I got, I got out. I got out. Did you go through that with a straight face? I did. <laughs> you turned the into Batman the Ron voice. Burgundy of radio. <laughs> I, I have many leather bound books. And he, and he let me out. It was great. <laughs> one last one. Dear Uncle Randy, my wife and I gave birth to our first child two months ago. Congratulations. She well, gave birth. Uh, my wife has been a rock star throughout this time, especially since I returned to work at the start of the year. What are some great date recommendations I can do to show my appreciation for her while the little man is with the grandparents. Oh, that's good. I would suggest that uh, you take her to her favorite restaurant. I think that's very important. And do something relaxing. If you haven't been to a movie in a long time, I know a lot of people still have not been back to a theater, find a movie that you, you can both watch. And uh, I, I think just going on, a, on the old classic date is a great idea at this time of year when it's so cold outside. And it's great that you have the grandparents there to, to, to watch uh, the youngster. But yeah, I would uh, uh, I would just go classic on this. Was Joan your lovely wife? Going back to the previous Uncle Randy mm-hmm. question, was she like, "No, Randy, you need to be behind the mic. If that thing goes down, well, yep, it goes down. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep, yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. it is what it is. It is what it is. Thanks, Randy. It was for all the times and. Uh, Good job on the air today. Yeah. That's what she said. Just a quick double check on the policy. All right, we're all good. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead and take, take her down, Randy. <laughs> uh, that's ask, ask Uncle Randy. Thank you very much for your text. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we talked earlier about uh, the expectations of you for the Cardinals in terms of spending money. So knowing that the Cardinals are a mid-market team, that they don't make the kind of money that the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Cubs do, what are your expectations for the Cardinals in terms of expenditures on their payroll? Do you expect them to be number one or two? Do you expect them to be where they are right now, roughly number 10? What's your expectation? And 
Will it make any difference? That's the key. That's coming up here on 101 ESPN. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Plus, we have the line open if you'd like to send us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app here on the opening drive. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We've got a pretty darn good market and, and bigger than obviously what the city of St. Louis is. Because we've got a broad fan base. And one of the disappointing things as time has gone on is we've lost subscribers. And that's not just the money from the subscribers, but it's, you know, potential loss of ability to follow the team. So, you know, this is a big project for us. That's Bill DeWitt Jr. talking about what might happen with television upon the demise of Bally. And there was a court proceeding and a court filing that was revealed by either the Athletic or Sports Business Journal uh, that said that Bally was preparing to wind down by the end of September and that Bally would cease to exist. And the money generated by Major League Baseball for television was going to have to come from a different entity. So, yes, uh, in terms of market size, that does put the Cardinals in a less enviable position than when they had Bally. Because now, when you're having to sell yourself based on market size and the number of viewers you have, you're not going to be able to make as much money. And I think we can all trace this back to one thing. The reason that baseball is in the shape that it's in, the reason that... We had the situation the other night where people were complaining about the, the Chiefs game being on, on Peacock. This all goes back to the people that didn't want to pay a premium for a product. It's all the fault of the cord cutters. It's all the fault of the cord cutters, yep. but that's the way that it's going, Randy. But it didn't have to, did it? It was people that wanted something for nothing. Mm. And th- that's the problem. It's, if you don't want to pay for a p- premium product, 
there's a chance that that product isn't going to be premium anymore. Don't you remember how appealing it was at, at the beginning whenever it was like, oh, wait, I can just pay like $9 for Netflix? Yeah, I'm going to get away from this whole cable TV thing because mm-hmm. cable prices were getting up to like $200, if not more. It felt like all of a sudden you would get a surprise bill every mm-hmm. once in a while. So you could also put it back on cable for really getting greedy in a lot of different ways where it was easy for people to get over to streaming. Well, but that's the thing now because streaming now costs as much as it if, does. if you get all of the entities. It's going to cost as much as cable does. I thought it was really interesting about what he said when fans can't see the product. And I, I agree with him. If you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Mm-hmm. And if you're not watching the games and you don't know the promotions that are coming up to the ballpark that maybe that your kids want to go to, mm-hmm. you're not going to spend the time to go out and buy your tickets and come in. I, I can't remember the exact percentage of what this is, but it's generally this percent. is like 60% to 70% of fans on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday are outside a 60-mile radius that come in. So Mm -hmm. it's not just the St. Louis Cardinals. It's very regionally based. I I think fans need to understand that they are in the – I think they're 10th right now in payroll. That could change with certain teams now with a lot of free agents still out there and loading up. I would anticipate like the Cubs spending some money here before we get to spring training. Um, But I think fans wanted to see like a Max Scherzer – you know, go mm-hmm. out on a limb, take that chance, or a Bryce Harper, and it would lessen the blow of what we always talk about, which is does payroll actually mean that you're going to win games? And the answer is no. As you mentioned, Brooke, there are some teams that have spent a lot of money and they don't have the results for it, but I do think that they wish the fans do that the Cardinals would go out on a limb every once in a while and maybe quote-unquote overpay or take a chance Mm -hmm. on that superstar. Yep. We've got texts and uh, mic drops. What are your expectations for the Cardinals from a payroll perspective? And Brooke, you had a couple of those. Yeah, because going into what we were talking about payroll, and I mentioned this earlier, this person is talking about when I was talking about that they spent or have spent right now around that $177 million. From the 636, they say, problem is, Mosellock says our threshold this year will be around $200 million. Brooke just said that we're at 179 177 But DeWitt last week just said they're not adding any more money. Cardinals had Gray take a payout this year of paying him $10 million and backloading it, but we are not signing any more guys, according to DeWitt. And I think one of the problems that you run into is we just look at the major league cash outlay. Yes. We don't look at the entire 40-man roster. We don't Mm -hmm. look at benefits. Baseball looks at it differently than we do in terms of what their payroll is, which makes sense because the payroll here at 101 ESPN isn't just what people are making, but you add in benefits and you add in the ancillary expenses. And so everything is thrown in, not everything, but much is thrown into that bucket in terms of payroll expenditure, not just the particular salary of a player. So if you're 10th in payroll, where else do you want to go? Do you want to be top five? Is that reasonable no. uh, with the surrounding fan base that they have, even though a lot of t- a lot of these fans cannot access the games? Do you want the Cardinals to take this thing in-house television-wise, charge you that way? I, I don't know what the, the right answer is. I, I think, though, the main problem is, is that there's just not enough eyeballs on what is now a regional sport. It's not a national sport. It's not your national pastime. I hate saying that, but it's not. Well, Football is. That is the fault of the Major League Baseball front office on Park Avenue because they could very easily remove all the restrictions 
for people in Iowa that can't see the Cardinals and the Cubs. It's really easy to lift all those ridiculous blackouts that they have, but they don't do it. They went in contract with people that wouldn't allow that to happen. Yeah, right. You know, that's, that's the part of it that they made this very tough to do. And I'm with you. I mean, you should be able to pick up your phone and access any game that you want. Mm-hmm. I have the MLB package, and there's times that I cannot access the Cardinal games. It's crazy. And Me there's too. there's yeah. nothing more frustrating than that, right? It's yes. like, what am I paying for right. here? Why why is that? It shouldn't be that way whatsoever, and that's something that I hope that gets addressed. From the 314 we have, I don't care how much they spend. They need to spend in the right guys. You need to draft and develop, but go get that guy that will be willing and be willing to pay what it takes to bring that missing piece of the puzzle. Bryce Harper was a prime example a few years back. I wanted Harper, by the way. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I thought he'd be the perfect Cardinal. That would have been fun to see him in St. Louis. Yeah. People would have just loved him. And that's one thing the Cardinals are really reticent to do is give out those 10- or 13-year contracts. And, yes, Harper is fun right now. But he's, you're right. Tail end can be ugly. Yeah. And yep. uh, if you're a franchise that has a budget – do you want to be spending $28 million? It's kind of like the Jacoby Ellsbury thing. Do you, do you want to be spending $28 million a year for the last five or six years of a contract for a player that's not going to be productive for you? Christian Yelich in Milwaukee. Yeah. Good player. Yep. Had a great year, a couple mm-hmm. great years. And right now that contract and his performance has not lived up to what you're paying him. And they're hamstrung by it. Yep. This, I mean, look at what they're doing this year. The Stanton contract that the Yankees picked up. It's There, there are very few of those 10-year deals, if any, that have worked out for the team that actually signed to the player. A-Rod to the Rangers. Rangers couldn't afford to keep him. They have to trade him. Albert Steele here worked. Yeah, and that was seven. Yep. But the the, the 10-year deals, the the back end of those 10-year deals, and look at what's happening with Mike Trout right now. Uh, And it'll happen with Otani. It's just not feasible to have players playing well or getting better at the age of 35, 36, 37. Right not now. in this era, not no. with the, st- the steroid era yeah. gone, come and gone. I, I guess, though, if you're a franchise that is like the Yankees, like Chicago, like L.A., you don't really worry about the back end of those deals because you can swallow that money anyway. Yeah, right. You know, you can take that hit and it's okay. 100%. I mean, you would all take, if you knew, okay, maybe one year out of that 10-year contract you could get a championship, which I know nothing is ever guaranteed, yep. but knowing that, you could take the beginning of that and enjoy it, understanding that the back end won't look as pretty. But if you get the best of that front end of it, I think a lot of people are willing to pay for that. Always. The, uh, doesn't, doesn't, oh, go yeah, ahead, Randy. It doesn't matter how much you spend if you get one world championship out of it it's worth it seems like the blues and cardinals would make a lot more money having their own stl network throwing soccer seems easy soccer's wrapped up with a national tv deal mm-hmm. if you want to call it that with apple tv so that's not going to happen that's a long-term agreement i do think though there could be some kind of synergy between the two don't you guys think that? I mean, it yeah. makes some sense. Right. you got to have a partner with this, it, it would seem. And, and that's what the Blues need in this yeah. situation Yes, they do. Well. And baseball and MLB Network and NHL Network are under the same, literally the same roof in Secaucus, New Jersey. Maybe both sports get together. Thought that, about that, that a lot. That would be really smart. Yeah, because they're under the same roof. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people. Alexa worked for both MLB Network and NHL Network, and there's a lot of people that still do. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. We've got to take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Take it or leave it. I want to say something. I want to put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't.
don't set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. With Brooke Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin, Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Carricker. It's time for Tioli here on 101 ESPN. Uh, kids, I don't know if you noticed, but we have a sign next to our elevator that says elevator out of service. It's been that way since before Christmas. Now, I come up from the basement, so I take, I, I walk 50 steps, which I'm happy to do. Uh, and, and you guys uh, you guys generally come in on the main floor, right? Yeah. So take it or leave it. When you walk in, the first day you walk in and that sign isn't there, you're going to have the guts to get on that elevator. Oh, I'm going to be ready to go. I've been waiting every single morning, <laughs> every single morning. And I, I love to work out. The Stairmaster is one of my favorite machines at the gym. But still, if that elevator is there, I'm going to take it. Okay. And every single morning, I hope it's the day. And I'm always sad when it's not. Me too. I'm going to leave it. I like taking the stairs. As I said before, uh, in the break, I said, take it or leave it. Um, My knees are that of a (laughs) 75-year-old man, and uh, they feel that way. So even though it makes sense to take the elevator, I do like to, like, just try to stretch them out Mm -hmm. a little bit. So... I'm going to take going to the uh, the root of walking the stairs. You're I, so much better than us, Dan. We're, yeah. we're being so, we're taking it easy though. way no, out. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm totally rolling the dice and gambling that I won't get stuck in that elevator. I'm I'm absolutely with you, Brooke. I'm taking the elevator. Did somebody oh, yeah, get stuck? or what? Oh, We've had what? multiple people get stuck, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? And then there, there, there's been a, recently, This is it's been out since before Christmas, uh, there was a motor that was broken that had to be rebuilt, but they're getting it fixed. And eventually, I would guess by 20, 25, uh, that elevator will be back in service. <laughs> I was thinking about that one day because this was prior to it breaking. It was a little bit slow and it was taking for whatever reason, it was just acting weird. And I was like, am I really going to get stuck in here? Mm-hmm. And I need to go on the show. What would I even do in this situation? Just call in and be like, hey guys, live from the <laughs> right elevator. From the elevator, right. <laughs> elevator well, updates. There. There you go. We need to get some branding for that. Take it or leave it. According to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, Bill Belichick is seeking to coach a talented but underachieving team. Take it or leave it. There's plenty of teams that really fit in that category, but why does that kind of sound like the Cowboys? I will. uh, It doesn't count of. Kind of. It sounds like the Cowboys. I'll I'll take it. Yeah, I will take that that too. he uh, He will probably give up some of what he desires in terms of power. And yeah. in, in terms of letting things out of the building so that he can coach a talented but underachieving Cowboys team. Okay, if it does happen, I want like hard knocks there just to follow behind the season. Take it. Yeah. Right, just, I need to see that, yeah. right? Take it or leave it. After Shohei Otani signed for over $700 million, Mason Wynn said, eh, pitching and playing shortstop ain't a bad thing to do both. I'll take it. Oh, yeah, I'll mm-hmm. take that. I thought when he <laughs> signed, I, the first guy I thought of was Mason Wynn. I really did. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it, if these guys have dual roles, and we're starting to see that a little bit more in the minor leagues, why not let him at least explore it if things don't work out at short? Now, I don't want him on the mound blowing out his arm, but if things don't work out and he can't make it as a shortstop, which by all accounts I think he will, but things happen, stranger things mm-hmm. happen, he gets back on the mound and says, you know what? I'm going to have to give this a try, too, if I want to stay in the game. 103 miles an hour across the diamond? Oh. Yeah. Why not have him be your closer? 
I just guess they don't want him to blow out his arm, and they think he's a great athlete and is going to be a premier defensive player, so that's why you don't put him on the mound. I would. When is the last time that he has pitched? He pitched uh, low A ball, and it was very sparingly. Mm. It, it wasn't much. I want to say they pulled back and like three years in ago 20, 2019 i was gonna say yeah. 2019 or 2020 I, I remember just being bummed when i saw like the, the reports it's like yeah they're only gonna have him do shortstop stuff that broke my heart because i was like no you have you have a potential guy who can do it at least give him another at least give him to like double a or triple a just to see how it works out now guys throw hard there are a lot of guys that throw hard but if you can't move it and it's straight i don't care if you're throwing 200 miles an hour they will hit it at this level Good so nice. There's other things that you have to do to be able to get people out, and you don't need a blown elbow out with your starting shortstop. So I get that, but if I'm Mason Wynn, I still have my eyes on potentially being a dual threat. At least I would. He only pitched one inning in minor league baseball. Yeah, that's right. They let him do a little things on the side, but it wasn't much in competitive uh, areas of the game. Had a strikeout, by the way. Yes, he did. Oh, there you go. So he's got swing and miss stuff. Well, if a game <laughs> averages a K per inning, but bro. so will we see him possibly this season? Where we saw Alec Burleson, we've seen Yadier Molina. Not before. a chance. No, no not you a don't chance. Think he might care about him too much. <laughs> that's why you put Alec Burleson, and that's why you put the backup <laughs> guys. Yeah, if they get hurt, they get hurt. You know. Yeah. What do you got on the text line there, Matthew? And for the possibility of a bobblehead later on. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. Edmonds' yeah. injury is why the Dylan Cease trade has not happened yet. We'll leave that. I'm going to leave it, too. I think that there was a little bit more, maybe even a Nolan Gorman. I think mm-hmm. it's very clear they would want something like that. Nothing against Tommy Edmund, but obviously younger, and he provides a lot of power. So yeah. I think that that's what the White Sox would be looking for. I'm sure when the Cardinals were involved in trade talks with some of the top people, the first name that was mentioned is Nolan Gorman. Yes. And they're not going to give up on him. Another name that was probably mentioned is Brendan Donovan, and he's emerging as a leader on this team. Give him a chance to play every day. Give him 500-plus at-bats and see what he can do. He gives you a great Mm at-bat, and he's left-handed, a left-handed batter. So that's what teams want. They want young, cost-controlled position players that hit from the left side. And if they can get them, they're going to try to get them. Matthew? Um, The one thing I did hear when Gorman broke down – sorry, ESPN just um, had a breaking news story. Amazon to invest in Diamond Sports as part of bankruptcy deal. So that's going to matter. So, yeah, <laughs> that's we're gonna have to that's dive into really that at some point because that's that's gonna I change they things. Turned it down. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Said yeah. you can't do it. Wasn't 150 million? I think was, from Amazon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so they're gonna do this, uh, I guess, against the wishes of Major League Baseball. Huh. Interesting. We shall see. Matthew, another take it or leave it. Yes, sir. Take it or leave it. The Blues will consider trading Justin Falk and or Brandon Saad at the deadline. I'll take that. I'll take that, too. Or Brandon Sod. Yeah, I, I will take that as well. Uh, take it or leave it, another team will consider trading for Brandon Sod. At the <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> takes two to tango. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Would you you're trade saying for that him? people aren't clamoring? If, for... you're trying, if you're trying to win a cup, uh, heart of hearts, are you going to trade for him? I, I had a bad thought yesterday of just thinking about what it would have been like. And this is nothing against Tori Crew. He has every right to invoke his no trade clause. I completely understand that. But I was just thinking about what that would have looked like this season had that trade worked out. When they were Tory Krug's had a tough go. Uh, mm-hmm. There are times like the other night where he just did not yeah. look good. He had a couple giveaways that led to goals. It's just, uh, it. you know, I think when you look back at his tenure right now, it's been... Kind of like the Blues this season, really inconsistent. Yes. Yes. 
Uh, just one really quick thing I'm pulling from this article because this is fascinating. Just the big thing I think that we need, we're going to have to focus on. Customers will be able to access their local team's content on Prime Video channels where Diamond has their rights. So that means you don't have to use the But that's streaming. anymore? Streaming. And mm-hmm. Major League Baseball doesn't allow. For example, the Cardinals... Our Bally is not allowed to stream the Cardinals. That's under the umbrella of Major League Baseball's streaming mechanism. Correct. So those teams, like the Royals, there's there's five or six teams that are allowed to stream on their own individual devices. Is it up to that much? Yeah. I didn't even think it was that it's much. Half, uh, Bally has 11 or 12 teams, and half of them are streaming and half of them aren't. Is that right? Yeah. I remember for a while, there was only one team, and it was the Marlins, I believe. That could stream? Yeah. So... Uh, it's pretty interesting. Just get it fully accessible, figure it out so your fans can watch the games. It it's, sounds yeah. so simple, right? It's but for whatever happen. reason, it hasn't yeah. worked out yet. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot is out, and Dan and I are going to fill ours out and tell you who we're voting for next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. To the opening drive, Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker and Danny Mac. Guys, it's that time of year again. It's time for the 2024 Baseball Hall of Fame. Voting is upon us. The Baseball Writers Association of America will announce the results of this year's election live from Cooperstown. That's coming up on January 23rd on MLB Network. But right now, here in this studio in St. Louis, we're going to make some decisions and get to voting here. I wish that they counted, guys, but sadly they don't. But I believe that your word, what you guys have to say, oh, yeah. has a lot, holds a lot of weight. So this year's 26-player ballot showcases a strong rookie class in Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, and Chase Utley. But there's also those holdovers that we always talk about. You have Alex Rodriguez, you have Manny Ramirez, and Carlos Beltran. So, guys... Tell us your votes for this year's Hall of Fame ballot. I went a little controversial uh, with my guys. So I'll start with Carlos Beltran. He was part of the cheating scandal and lost his job with the Mets. Because of that, I think he'll get a chance to manage as this goes away and not many people are talking about it. I I don't think we talk that much about it anymore. So Carlos Beltran is my first Selection. Should I go through all 10 or let's yes, just sir. go back and forth? Yeah, you can yeah. go back okay. and forth. Okay. I got Adrian Beltre going in, 3,000 hits. Mm-hmm. He's in all the home runs that he hit as well. I think controversial pick to an extent, although he's close. He's got 72% of the votes. You need 75, and that's Todd Helton. Mm-hmm. The only reason it's controversial is because of where he played. He played at Coors Field, hit 287 on the road. His on-base percentage actually on the road was 386, which is better than 12 of the biggest names that you have in the Hall of Fame. So I think he gets in. Andrew Jones, the former Atlanta Brave, one of the great defensive center fielders that's ever played. I put him in. I put Manny Ramirez in. I'm done with the steroid stuff. I... 
yeah, I think Mark McGuire should be in. I think some of the guys that are Rafael Palmero. I think you, you can put a plaque in and say that they were associated with the steroid era, put their history in. It's not the Hall of Fame of great people. It's the Hall of Fame of baseball players. So I put Manny in. I put A-Rod in. I'm going to put K-Rod in. Francisco Rodriguez, fifth all-time in saves. Gary Sheffield, also associated with the steroid era. He is going to get my vote. And my final vote went to... Uh, one of the greatest defensive shortstops of all time has had his off-the-field issues, but mm-hmm. Omar Vizquel, and that would be my 10. Okay. Randy? I only have eight at the moment. And one of the things that I think is one of the positions that's underrated in the Hall of Fame is the closer. It's your job. Don't blame somebody because of their job, and I think a lot of the writers do. But Francisco Rodriguez is fourth all-time in saves. I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And Billy Wagner. We watched Billy Wagner. I have no oh, doubt. Oh, I had that... Billy, too. Okay. That was my last okay. guy. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I had Billy <laughs> Wagner. I, that's my 10th. Sixth all-time in saves, leading all left-handers in saves. So Billy Wagner is is on my list. I am, I approach it differently in regards to steroids for you, uh, with, with you, Dan, because... I will be more than happy to put in somebody who is alleged to have used before there was testing. But if you got suspended once testing started, like A-Rod did or like Manny Ramirez did, then I'm not going to put you in because you were stupid. (laughs) You shouldn't have gotten caught? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. (laughs) I think that's fair. Uh, That's a good way to look at it. Okay. Carlos Beltran is absolutely a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. And... He wasn't the only guy that was involved in that scandal in Houston. He he may be the face of it, but Jeff Luno was the face of it, too. Jose, Jose Abreu is a, a face of it, too. Uh, for me, there's way too much before this ever came up about Carlos Beltran that was good in his career to not have him be in the Hall of Fame. So I think Beltran's a Hall of Famer. I'm with you. Uh, I think Adrian Beltre is easy. I've got our guy, Mark Burley, going in. Nobody took the ball like Mark Burley. Had the perfect game. He had another no-hitter. He pitched. He, he was the ace for a world championship team. He really wasn't in a great spot either. I think if Burley is with the Cardinals for his entire career, he has uh, his numbers are even better. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put Burley in there. I'm with you with Todd Helton. I think a lot of guys from the uh, Colorado days are underrepresented. Todd Helton, kind of like Arenado, he could have hit anywhere. He's fine. Yep. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. I'm with you with with Andrew Jones, and uh, then I have Sheffield in because again Sheffield was playing and was accused of using. No definitive proof before mm-hmm. there was ever any idea of a suspension. So I've got Sheffield in. Uh, I had Chase Utley is on my borderline. Joe Maurer is on my borderline. But right now I just uh, I, I look at their numbers and I can't put those two in. So what would you do then with Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds? See, so I, they, they I, weren't, I, you know, they I, didn't I have a suspension. I would have voted for them every year. Yeah, me too. And, and McGuire. Yes. Me too. And here's the other thing. And... and just we're talking about suspicion here, okay? So you've got the connection to Balco with with Clemens and Bonds. Are you telling me that you never, as a writer, that you never suspected when you looked at Bagwell and Piazza? <laughs> are you kidding me? So how uh, how do how are you making this decision that okay? Clearly, Bagwell and Piazza deserve to be, and they never used, but the other guys, because of their association with Balco, did. I, I, Come on, give me a break. Ricky Henderson played till he was 46. Dennis Eckersley pitched till he was 46. You don't pitch that or play that well when you're that old. What would you do with Pete Rose? I, I'm putting him in. 
I would have put Pete, Pete in a long time ago. Too. Yeah. I, w- I wish there was a little bit of uh, uh, just admission on the part of Pete Rose. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he kind did of half-heartedly yep. admitted it. But I'm with you, especially now. If you're baseball, uh, Pete's over 80 years old. And you have totally embraced gambling now. You have. So that, isn't why that not? so weird? Yeah. How and look, I understand it was very taboo, and for a lot of the right reasons, it can get to a point where it can get really out of hand. But at the same time, we've also got to a point where it's a big part of the society right. now, and it's not as taboo as it was back then. Yeah. I guess my issue with Rose, and I just said I would put him in. Now I'm going to counter myself and say. If he was managing, which he was, and betting on games at that time, and you're playing the Cardinals, for an example, Mm -hmm. and you say, boy, I would like to use a lefty against Carriker here, but I'm probably not going to do that because maybe subconsciously I'm thinking about the game tomorrow or I'm thinking about game three of my series and how I'm going to use my bullpen. That that part of it, the the purity of the game, the sanctity of the however you want to – you hope you're getting fairness and – honesty on both sides. I just wonder if subconsciously, you know, you you don't make a move because you're thinking ahead. And Dan, here's the other part of this. He gambled so much. Yeah. He never did bet against his team. But what I understand, what I believe, is that the people that he bet with, it was a given that if he didn't bet for the Reds on a given night that he was betting against them. Correct. They could have put money into the pockets of his bookies. But I believe he served his penance. He was suspended in 1989, right? Right. Yeah. 99, 09, 19. I mean, uh, no, 99. Yeah, 30, 35 years. That's that's enough. That's and he's he's going to die. So give, give him his, his day. He is, <laughs> oh my I mean, word. he's yeah. over 80. He's he's, a, he's on his last legs. That he was is. a way to end it. And just I put together my own little mini one as well. Okay, just a mini one. Adrian Beltre. It's also really interesting to see some of these names where it feels like they didn't play not too long ago. Mm-hmm. But I love Adrian Beltre too, just because of his personality. You guys remember how fun he was out mm-hmm. there. Todd Helton, Joe Maurer, Jerry Sheffield, Chase Utley, and then Billy Wagner as well, and Manny Ramirez. And I agree with you guys about Carlos Beltran. I just think at this point, I know he was the only one that wasn't granted immunity, but it seems like everybody else was able to get away from that situation, serve their time. I feel like he has also been punished to a really big extent. So I'm with you guys on all of those. Well, coming up next, we are going to head to the celebrity line to talk to Jamie Rivers about the Blues. That's coming up here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Capital today to take on the Capitals tomorrow night. And you'll hear that game here on 101 ESPN with the pregame at 5, action at 6. Of course, John Kelly and Jamie Rivers will have the call on Bally Sports. And Rivs, our colleague from the Fast Lane, afternoons here on 101 ESPN, joins us now on the Celebrity Line. Rivs, good morning. How are you doing? Good, guys. How's everybody doing there? We're very excited. Is there anything that you go to see when you go to Washington, D.C.? Is there anything I personally go to see when I go there? Are, are you a uh, are you a touristy guy? 
Uh, I maybe way back when now I'm just quite fine to get there, get settled in, get ready for whatever I've got to do tomorrow. But I do remember going there the very first time and, you know, walking around and doing some of the things and, and then fortunate enough later in my career to have met some people who let us, who, who got us set up with a tour in the Pentagon. So we got to go see the Pentagon cool. one time. So that was pretty cool. That's great. That is really cool. Well, obviously the Blues with the tough loss against the Flyers the other night, it seemed like one of the big glaring issues, Jamie, was the offensive zone turnovers. And I know it's not just one player that was involved with that, but the Blues just really made some poor decisions in the offensive zone that led to those first two goals against. In those moments, what did you see? Well, I, I see a team that desperately is trying to win every game, and, and they're trying to win the game with one play, and that's the worst way to go about it. it. Usually when you're a team like the Blues, if you don't have a McDavid or a Nathan McKinnon or somebody who can just automatically put points up for you and even up the game or taking a goal lead, you've know, you got to be patient. you got to play your system. And I think that, for me, the Blues have to manage the puck very well. And all that means is in situations where you don't have an advantage on that particular play, put the puck to an area that doesn't hurt you. And it's hard sometimes because these players want to win and they want to create goals. They want to do things. And it, the, the turnovers aren't made out of a way of like a player not caring. Usually they're, they're from a player who's trying to make something out of nothing because the competitive fire in them they say, no, we have to score here. I have to do something extra special. Whereas, you know, you need to tame that beast a little bit sometimes and realize that the best play right now is to just advance the puck behind the defenseman or put it in the corner or get it out of trouble so that we don't give up an opportunity on those plays. So it's more of a mental discipline than anything else. And, and it's a process and it's, it's a way of thinking that this team's going to have to adopt. Jamie, I know you haven't talked about the power play at all uh, this season. So uh, I figured we'd just get into it this morning, but a couple of good things with this. They're, they're putting Sunquist up front that you see neighbors up there. They're getting traffic in front of the net, that presence in front of the net. They're shooting the puck more. Are you, are you seeing under Drew Bannister an improved power play? Let's say the last three weeks or so. Yeah, I think so. I think that, uh, look, I think there's been a lot of talk about the power play, and justifiably so. It's cost you some hockey games. And, you know, you have to improve in that area. And I think that the team has made good steps to doing that. And in particular, the last three games where Drew Bannister just quite honestly was like, listen, guys, we're putting guys in front of the net, and we have to shoot the puck. If we don't shoot the puck, you won't play on the power play. And you've seen the difference. You know, two goals against the Rangers, two goals against the Flyers, another goal the other night. Like these are things that make a difference, and and they're able to either stay in a hockey game or win a hockey game based upon the special teams. And so, yeah, I, to answer your question, I have definitely seen an improvement, and I've seen the change to where it's simplifying. Kind of going back to what we just talked about with the puck management stuff. It's like sometimes just simpling, simplifying the game actually gives you bigger benefits than trying to be too complicated and too fancy. Sometimes those things work against you. Rivs, the Blues just finished a grueling stretch of eight games against really good teams. Now they get Washington a couple of times. Calgary, though, has gotten a little bit hotter. Vancouver, one of the best teams in the league. Seattle's on a winning streak. The Kings, Columbus, it just never gets easy, does it? And the Blues, regardless of who they're playing, they're going to have to start winning games because everybody around them is winning games. 
Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like you, the other day, you're you're sitting in the second wild card spot, and now you're you're sitting five points out of a wild card spot. And uh, yeah, you, you played one game. You didn't win the game, but because everybody else continues to play and continues to win, it really makes it difficult to stay with the pack on this one. And, and you talk about teams like Calgary and Seattle and Arizona. They they're they're not even in the wild card picture anymore. Now you've got the Edmonton Oilers, who seem like well they're never going to lose again. Uh, they you know they changed their head coach and they've never looked back. Mm-hmm. And then the Nashville Predators, who are you know they just continue to win hockey games. So it's tough, man. You you cannot lose multiple games in a row in this league. And uh, I know the Blues lost one in overtime uh, and one in regulation, but. Right now, if you're trying to keep pace with the rest of the pack here, you've got. If you're going to lose, it has to be a one-off, and then you have to go back to winning two or three in a row. There's just no time to breathe right now. Hey, one other thing from me: Do you think Alex Ovechkin is going to catch Gretzky, forty-two goals away? So I think he'll catch him, but it's weird for me. I, and I'm 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 always happy for any player who has a great accomplishment. It just gets a little murky for me when because Alex Ovechkin he'll play until he passes Gretzky. That's the way, I, it, even if he spends another three seasons trying to get to that number, you know, I think the owner in Washington has already said that Alex Ovechkin has a contract for life until he decides he doesn't want to play anymore. And so I, I don't know if it tarnishes him catching Gretzky, the fact that he's, you know, limping across the finish line to getting there. But yeah, I think he does catch him just because I think the longevity of his career and the way he's avoided injury the way he has, and he can still shoot the puck pretty good. So I, I think he gets there, but I don't know. For me, it's a, it's like a it's yeah, not and, quite the same. Yeah, and, and by the way, I gave the wrong number. It's 64 away. Gresky has 894. Ovi has 830. I want to ask you, Jamie, a little bit about, and, and something you know quite well, is defense and Matthew Kessel asserting himself and, and not getting a lot of fanfare doing so and watching the games man I, I think this guy is establishing himself as a very good nhl player yeah uh it's wild how it works sometimes you got these guys who play in the minors you know they exist but you don't really know what they can bring to the table or if they'll ever even play in the national hockey league and you know this is a situation where you have a head coach who was coaching them down there and, and said hey look i believe in this guy brought him up give him a chance to play and all matthew kessel has done is be solid. He hasn't been scored on once yet, five on five, since he's been recalled from Springfield. And he's played some big minutes. He's played against some tough opponents. He's played against the other team's best players. I like it. He's a big kid. He's not overly aggressive out there. It's not like he's going to intimidate anybody. But he's 6'3", about 205. You know when he's there. He closes gaps out there. He plays the body hard. He moves the puck well. And one thing that I've really liked here in the last couple of games is He's starting to expand his territory. And what I mean by that is he's not just playing solid defensively anymore. He's jumping up in the play. He's becoming an option in the offensive zone. So he's, he's, his game is expanding out there too. And that's probably mostly due to the fact that he's more confident right now than he was when he first got up here. But for me, Dan, I, I don't see any scenario – in the near future where your blue line doesn't have Matthew Kessel. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. There's no doubt. I want to go back to just one other thing. What is it like when Wayne Gretzky is in Canada? Can he 
even breathe when he's up there? What, I, I know you've been around him when you guys have been in Canada. What is it like when he goes back to uh, you know places that he played and what he means to that country? Well, it was tough, Dan, when I played with Wayne because, you know, there were a lot of people there to see me, too. So, Brett kind of got overshadowed. Yeah, Um, I get it. Yeah, you know, it's tough life for sure. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, it was crazy. It's like traveling with a rock star because, you know, we had our own security to travel with the team. And you would arrive at 2 o'clock in the morning to some town in Canada, and there would be hundreds of people surrounding the hotel waiting to just catch a glimpse or hopefully he would sign something or take a picture. And I mean, he couldn't go anywhere up there. Like, he, his hotel room was under an alias, his name, uh, so that nobody could figure out where he was staying. As far as what his, room. Do, you, do you remember what his alias was? Oh, I know exactly what it was. I can't tell it either. Cause he still, he still uses, uses it. Oh, he still so, uses it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we won't tell anybody I'll that. Tell- I'll tell you in private at the station when I see you, Randy. But yeah, I, I've no. heard. I've heard what it is. So yeah, it, it was funny because you know you pick up your room keys. Everybody grabs a room key, and I remember it was it was Jim Campbell and I, and we were looking down. We looked at you, we were like, "Who the heck is that?" Like, you know, we <laughs> thought we called somebody up or like, "Who is this guy?" You're like, is he better than me? Is he a defenseman? Who is this guy? You know, like <laughs> then we figured out it was. Uh, just good old Wayne. Uh, he's uh, hiding from people, which <laughs> I don't blame him. I don't either. Uh, Rivs, same thing with you, and uh, you have fun in Washington, D.C. We know that, especially all those government people, they're all over you. They just want to get a, a photo, a <laughs> selfie with Jamie Rivers. So uh, you, Not only human. <laughs> you take care of yourself. Have a great trip, brother. All right. Thanks, guys. Take thanks. care. See you See later. You now. That is Jamie Rivers, and you'll hear him this afternoon. Uh, no, they might be in the air this afternoon. They'll be on uh, probably a 2 o'clock flight yeah. on their way to mm-hmm. D.C. So you probably won't hear them here on 101 ESPN, but you'll see them tomorrow night on Bally. That's right. I bet you hear them tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. He checks in on the road. Love that. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> boots up. on the ground, as they say, Randy. Boots on the ground, eh? You know what, eh? We've got no Jamie today on the fast lane. No Jamie today on the fast lane, Okay, officially. The bulletin, apparently. The flash, yeah. apparently. Breaking official. news. Yeah. Uh, we've got the fight coming up. Uh, M- Matthew, do you need a fighter? Yep. Okay. Uh, so if you will just text in to 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. If you'd like to participate in the fight, just send in your name and the word fight, and maybe you will fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe listener, And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker! Opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker, Danny Mac, and Matthew Rocchio. And it is now time for the fight. We welcome in our fighter, our challenger today. Stepping up the plate is Andrew. How are you doing today, Andrew? Doing well. How are you? Good. Is this your first time facing Randy? It is. Are you mm. nervous, excited, confident? Oh. Oh, I'm a little of all. All, all of the above. Okay. We, we like to hear all that. All of the above. <laughs> all right. You ready for question number one? Yes. 
All right, Andrew. Happy birthday to former Cardinals pitcher Mark Littell. Which historic milestone did Littell give up in 1981? A World Series walk-off home run, Ricky Henderson's 130th stolen base, or Pete Rose's National League hits record? I'm sorry, could you repeat those again, please? A World Series walk-off home run, Ricky Henderson's 130th stolen base, or Pete Rose's National League hits record? Well, I have zero clue here. Uh, Let's go with the first one. Final answer, a World Series? Yeah, okay. Uh, Question two. In the last 100 years, only one National League team has won back-to-back World Series. Which franchise? Pittsburgh Pirates, L.A. Dodgers, or the Cincinnati Reds? Uh, Again, I have no clue. It's the Cincinnati Reds. (laughs) All right. Question three. Here we go. Which Hall of Fame boasts a trio of brothers in their ranks? Is it Major League Baseball, NBA, or the National Hockey League? Trio of brothers. Um, three for three with no clue. Go to the NHL. Wilt Chamberlain was the first and for a long time the only player in NBA history to score back-to-back, uh, back-to-back 55-point games. That was until 2019 when this MVP matched the feat. Was it Russell Westbrook, Giannis, or James Harden? Might as well be consistent with four for four. No idea. Um, Let's go with Russell Westbrook. Okay, let's go get Randy and we'll bring him in. Uh, Andrew, how are you feeling? Andrew? Um, I am... Looking forward to hearing Randy. <laughs> Was there something that you were hoping to hear instead? Was there a sport maybe? Uh, football would have been nice. Um, Pacific NHL would have been nice. And none of that today. It's like, it's like rock nose. Yeah, there you go. That's that's a great way to look at it. Randy just walked in with his grapes and was messing with Dan's mic for whatever reason. What were you doing there? Dan was giving me trouble. Oh. Saying, get his butt in here and let's go. Let's play. <laughs> he thinks I can see him moving. through the thing. We've got a 101 ESPN. We've got our, our room, our studio wrapped. And Dan thinks that I can see through this thing. And I, I can't see. So can't. he has to open the door and he was mad at me. I've no. never said that. Never. Mm-hmm. I just was trying to gather your attention. Oh, <laughs> yes, you did. Make sure you get in here. Are you ready to play? I'm ready, Dan. Brooke, question one, please. All right. Happy birthday to former Cardinals pitcher Mark Littell. Which historic milestone did Littell give up in 1981? Historic milestone? Mm-hmm. Did he give up in, 1981? in 1981? So he would have been a member of the Cardinals at that point. Uh, oh, would he have given up a big hit maybe to Pete Rose? Uh, let's see, the Eric Shaw had, you know, I better do the, the lifeline, Brooke. Uh, Eric Shaw gave up the, the 4192. Maybe he gave up 4191, but let's just uh, do the lifeline instead. 
All right, a World Series walk-off home run. He didn't do that. Ricky Henderson's 130th stolen base. He didn't do that. Pete Rose's National League hits record. There you go, 36-31. Pete Rose's National League hit record. In the last 100, you only get the lifeline once, right? I only yes. do, yeah. No more lifelines left, Dan. Okay, in the last 100 years, only one National League team has won back-to-back World Series. Which franchise? This... Is really a fact? Only one National League team has won back-to-back World Series? That's amazing. Uh, so wouldn't you go with the 75-76 Cincinnati Redlegs, the big red machine? Uh, I, I would say that that would be the one team that would have had that happen. Question, Question three. three. Which Hall of Fame boasts a trio of brothers in their ranks? Which can you give this again? Which Hall of Fame boasts a trio of brothers in their ranks? Okay, a hall, one singular Hall of Fame that has a trio of brothers in their ranks. So, is it uh, hockey with uh, the Richards? Hockey is the most likely here. I don't think basketball has three brothers. Football. We were trying to think of this the other day, and we couldn't think of uh, two brothers in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and then baseball, the Alou brothers aren't on in the Hall of Fame. Cruz brothers aren't in the Hall of Fame. There's only two deans, but only one of them is in the Hall of Fame. I am going to go with the Hockey Hall of Fame, Brooke, just based on logic here. And, like, you got the Mahavaliches, uh, Mark and Marty Howe, but their dad, Gordy, but they aren't in the Hall of Fame. But I... Uh, Maurice um, Rocket Richard, you had... Uh, What's your answer, Randy? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go... Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to go Barry, Maurice, and Andy. So you're going National Hockey League? National Hockey League. Is that your final answer? Yeah, I'm going with the Bee Gees. Question four. <laughs> and that just went right over your head. <laughs> I know, I got it. <laughs> Wilt Chamberlain was the first and for a long time the only player in NBA history to score back-to-back 55-point games. Hmm. That was until 2019 when this MVP matched the feat. 2019. Huh. Michael Jordan never had a double-nickel? Double-double-nickel? Wow. Uh, that I would go, Dan... With the once prolific and once well-liked beard, uh, James Harden. Final answer, Randy? A final answer, yeah. He's got his number retired, you know. Rock. He's got, he's, it's up in the rafters. Rock, do we have a winner? <laughs> we do, in fact, have a winner. No calculator necessary here. It's a two-question win in the fight. Does Andrew take down Randy Carricker after 22 straight wins? Or does Megamind just keep rolling on a ring? That... Bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. I'm sorry, Andrew. I thought I'd get him with one or two of those. With a 4 2 victory, Randy Carricker hit the Jack and he beat you today. Hey. Not named Mega Mind for nothing. There you, there go. you go, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> you said you guessed on all four and you got to do right. That's a pretty good uh, conversion rate, if you ask me. Thanks, Almost. Andrew, for playing. We appreciate it. Yeah, we do.
All right. A good friend told me that there's a movie named Megamind. Is this true? There is. Yes, it's a it's a kids a kids animated movie. I don't know if it was that good or not. Like that. Like oh, Will Ferrell. Yeah. Well, if Will Ferrell's in it, then it's good. We can pull some clips from that. Let's go through the questions and answers. Happy birthday to former Cardinals pitcher Mark Littell. It was in fact Pete Rose's NL hits record that he gave up October 10th of 1981. He allowed that hit. He did allow a game-winning home run to Chris Chambliss in the American League Championship Series in '77. Uh, and that's kind of one of the reasons he got traded here. He got traded here for Hungo. Yep. Um, in the last 100 years, it is only one NL team. It has not happened since the Big that's Red amazing. Machine. It never happened. The only team before the Big Red Machine in the NL had done it. You have to go back to the 1922 and 1923 New York Giants, the only other NL team wow. in the last 100 and I guess two and years. And then they became a football team later, right? <laughs> Big, uh, different organization. Oh. Which Hall of Fame boasts a trio of brothers in their ranks? Lionel, Ray, and Charlie Conacher are oh. a trio of brothers oh, in the okay. NHL Hall of Fame, the only Hall of Fame that has three brothers so it all wasn't enshrined. Andy, Maurice, and Barry Gibb. There is no, and, and there is only two Richard brothers, or maybe, well, sorry, oh. there's only two Richard brothers who played hockey. And then I think the other, there was a third, but he wasn't a brother. Yes, Richard's kind of like Jones and yeah, ex- exactly. So, so it's just it's the Conakers in the okay. NHL Hall of Fame and. Will Chamberlain was the first and for a long time the only player in NBA history, but it was until James Harden and the Beard went off for 56 and then 58 in a double overtime game in the second instance for two double nickels in a row, the only one since Will Chamberlain. A 4-2 win for Randy Carriker in the fight today. Right. Who was your favorite Big Red Machine player? Uh, probably Joe Morgan. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, Joe Morgan, for sure. I love George Foster. George Foster hit me in the head with a thrown ball one time when I was an usher. <laughs> and then he's standing over me. He knocked me out. Standing over. Did I mean, he really? I, Are I, you I, serious? I, I was unconscious on the field. He's standing over me. Uh, my eyes open, and there's big George Foster looking. <laughs> you, you okay, dude? So I no a few years ago down at uh, in Phoenix. Uh, I, I was at a Giants game, and he was signing autographs. You know how they have old-timers signing autographs? And I went up and told him the story. He didn't remember it, but uh, I've got a George Foster autograph at home. Randy, sorry I hit you in the head. (laughs) Signed George Foster. Uh, But then, yeah, Foster, Geronimo, Ken Griffey Sr., and then Rose played third for that team, and Concepcion, Morgan, Perez, and Bench. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably go with uh, with Joe Morgan. I like uh, and Sparky Anderson. And Sparky Anderson was their manager. Yep. What's the rule? I don't know, Jack. <laughs> When he's, when he's got the ball, foot's on the bag. That's the rule, man. 1985, Todd Worrell. And Sparky is still managing. So Jack says, well, what's the rule? And Sparky says, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Denkinger call. Tony Perez, um, with the, all those kids that were around there, too. You yeah, had oh, man. Pete Rose's kids. You had uh, Perez's kids. Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr.'s kids. There's one other one, too, I was thinking of. Um with a C. Son played in Toronto, I believe. Uh, I believe. Hmm. Oh, who was that? Not a Hall of Famer, but his kid played in the major leagues too. So anyway, a lot of great uh lot of great players that came from that team. Coming up, Robbie, Tommy on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Getting you inside the blues locker room. It's time now for Blues Forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs.
the opening drive on 101 ESPN where we always ask the, the tough questions and dig deep with our journalistic integrity. And Robert Thomas is with us here on 101 ESPN. Robert, good morning. How you doing? Doing well, guys. Okay, so you're watching TV on a Sunday afternoon and you're flipping around. Give me a movie that when you come to it, you can't stop watching. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... Uh, I love Grown Ups. I think Grown Ups is my one. Oh. I see it, I like nice call. I, I like that. That's a good one. That great, is a great good job. one. What about like a or TV Ted. show? I'm oh, sorry. What did you say? Or Ted. I love Ted. Oh, Ted's great. The the Ted uh, the the scene in the in the comedy club is like one of my. It should have won an Academy Award. It's one of the all time great scenes in the history of movies. Have That's you watched the new show yet of Ted? No, I haven't. I haven't watched that yet. No, it's it's really good. I just started watching it, so it's something that you can watch. Is there a TV you bought, show? You bought Peacock, huh? I did. I already had it. Randy, I already had it, so it was easy. You can watch the football games and then watch Ted later on, the new show, and it's actually a really, really good show. Is there a show that you like to watch? Um, I, I do like TV shows. Um, what was the one I just finished? That new Netflix one, uh, Fool Me Once or whatever. Um, I just finished that one. It was, it was good. That was a, a one-dayer. I think it was eight episodes, but <laughs> it was cold here, and I, I crushed that in one day. Oh. I got to check that out. Okay, so Fool you're a binge watcher. watcher. Yeah, yeah, definitely a binge watcher. <laughs> so we had Jamie Rivers on earlier, and Randy asked him about, you know, do you go sightseeing a little bit? Do you take in what the city has to offer? You guys will land in D.C. probably around 5-ish, I would guess, Eastern time. Is there time for you to go out and sightsee at all, or is it all business? Um, probably all business this time. Um, I've already been fortunate enough to go in the White House and see that whole area out. So, uh, for me, it'll just be, uh, be all business. What was that experience like when you went to the White House? What, what stands out as you reflect on it now, just a few years ago? Uh, I think it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, you know, just from going through all the background checks of security and then you know you're standing inside there and you can see the security outside of the place um and just in such a i mean for a canadian kid who didn't really grow up in the u.s uh just to be able to be in there was was pretty sweet well despite the loss the other night against the flyers it was a special career moment for Braden shin the other night playing in his 900th career game robert what has he meant to the organization and to you yeah, someone that since he's gotten here, I mean, he's a he's an honest player. Uh, I think we all see that the way he plays the game and uh, hard nose, sticks up for his teammates, and um, you know, just off the ice, he's been uh, he's been a great leader for a lot of guys, uh, especially young guys, bringing them along. And uh, he's definitely really good to me um, my first couple of years, and um, I think it's someone that's you know been uh, been a favorite in the locker room for a while. Hey, Robert, um, you guys are, are moving ahead now. Man, that was a grueling eight-game stretch that you guys just got out of. And I know starting the homestand, I think the teams that you played were you know, one of them or two of them were tied for the most points in the league. I think uh, Florida had the third most points and then Philly had the seventh most. It's not like any game is easy, but do you feel like getting three out of uh, out of eight points, you kind of got through a gauntlet and maybe now you can get on a little bit of a roll? Um, yeah, we had a, we had some tough matches, uh, especially coming in, and uh, we would have liked one one or two more wins. But um, you know, we beat some really good teams, so I think it gives gives us a lot of confidence. Uh, I think we got seven games left till the break, and 
uh, need to make a, a good push and string together some wins. So uh, I think just beating some really good teams was 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 big for our group and showed that we can uh, compete with anyone. Well, just going back to that loss against the Flyers, it seemed like Drew Bannister talked a lot about puck management. It seemed like one of the big layering issues in that loss was the offensive zone turnovers. And it wasn't just one fl- player that was involved with that, but it seems like the the poor decisions in the offensive zone led to those first two goals against. In those moments, what did you see? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's tough. I think... You know, we haven't scored many goals lately, and, and guys are trying to make plays, um, especially in the offensive zone. But um, there's got to be the right time and place, and uh, those those ones bit us in the butt. Uh, I mean, going against Philly, um, they're a team that just plays hard. They defend well, and they get their they get all their offense off turnovers and mistakes, and um, you know that's what ultimately bit us in the butt uh, and caused us to lose the game. So. Um, it's not on one or two guys. It's on all of us. Um, everyone was doing it, and uh, something that needs to be cleaned up. It's amazing, Robert, when we watch, and we, we don't have the knowledge that you guys have, but when a coach comes out after a win and says, we just simplified things. It is amazing what a difference it makes when, you, like you say, you're trying to do too much and you're trying to make a play. Sometimes just, maybe every time, simplifying things makes all the difference in the world in this sport. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think there's a big deeper story to it I think um, you know a lot of times when you play within a structure it allows your skill to kind of show and um, you're, you're able to be more creative but it has to be within the structure and when things aren't, aren't in the structure um, you know you try and use your skill and sometimes it works sometimes you get lucky but most of the time it just doesn't look good and uh, doesn't give you a good result so I think that's that's kind of what you mean by simplifying it is um, you got to play within a structure or else there's going to be no consistency night in, night out. Robert, the top line has basically been intact for the entire year. We have seen it shuffled up just a bit here recently. How long does it take to get a familiarity with your line mates? And if somebody is moved to the second line and then some second liner comes up, the familiarity with each other, how long does that take? Yeah, uh, I mean, not too long, I don't think maybe like a shift or two, but um, I've played with pretty much everyone on this roster at some point in my career, so I got a good feel for, I'll just speak personally for everyone, so uh, I don't think it takes too long at all. Hey, Robert, uh, we, we've talked before, before you played Pittsburgh, about playing against Crosby. What's it like being on the ice with Ovechkin? Yeah, pretty cool. Um, obviously, um, one of the all-time greats, and someone I watched growing up, um, you know, pretty cool to share the ice with them, and um, hopefully we'll uh, not add to his, his chase for Gretzky's goal record. No doubt. And he's, I think, from my point of view, he's got the best one-timer I've ever seen. You've kind of got that one-timer going a little bit, too. Do you ever watch other guys when you add to your game? Do you ever watch other guys and steal anything from, like, a, a guy like Ovechkin's game or Crosby's or whomever's? <laughs> I wouldn't put my one tiger anywhere near his category. No, but, um, no you do. Um, definitely. Um, I mean, I'm a hockey guy. I love watching hockey. Every night I'm not playing. I go on the TV watching different games, and uh, you pick up on things. Um, even just from watching guys in the summer. Um, you know, I skate with Stan Coast in the summer, and just watching him use his one-timer, I think I picked up a couple things on that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just a hockey nerd. I love watching hockey. I love um, picking up on things and learning new things, and um, that just comes from watching. 
Yeah. Who, who had your favorite one-timer of all time? Is it is it Ovi or Stamkos or somebody else? Um, I mean, I think Ovi's the, the favorite for sure. I mean, he can he can beat a goalie straight on with no screen, and not many guys can do that um, consistently. And uh, I mean, it's funny now that you kind of strategize to play against him, and there's literally a guy standing on him, and you still wonder how he gets so many goals from over there. So, it's amazing. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Who was that player that when you first got to the National Hockey League, you step on the ice, you were such a young guy at that point in time, and you go, oh, my goodness, I'm in the NHL, I'm playing against this guy. Is, is there somebody that stands out for you? Um, Sidney Crosby, for sure. Um, that, that was my guy. Um, that I, Just first time stepping on the ice with him, I was completely starstruck and um, – yeah, he was, he was the one. Cool. Well, Robert, have a great trip. Enjoy these two games against Washington. We always appreciate your time, and we will talk to you next week, sir. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. That's Robert Thomas with us on 101 ESPN. Decided to give him a little walk-off music. Oh, there we go. Because remember, he said yeah. Post Malone. Uh-huh. We didn't sing for him we today. We forgot. We, yeah. I, just no, I, I, per- I purposely. Dan, I know. <laughs> Dan was ready to well, sing today, too. It was I crazy. Was the music before the segment, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it at the end. That way we don't sing to him again. He's got yeah. expectations of us now. So oh, as, I don't think so, as, Randy. As he, as, he, as he heads to Toronto for the All-Star game, when we next week we'll... Uh, We'll sing him a, a, post yeah. Malone, a little Post Malone song. I, I think he's good, to be he's, honest with Dan, you. Dan, I don't know if you were here or not, but he said when we sang Smash Mouth, Hey Now You're an All-Star, <laughs> he said he couldn't tell the difference between us and Smash Mouth. No, he Mouth. thought that we were just playing it back, the song to yeah. him. He said, no, he thought it was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying he's lying to us? No. Yeah. Yeah. No way. Coming up, we've got the Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Last night, not a great night for the local basketball teams. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN 906. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Billikens lose at Dayton 65 or 70 to 65. Deron Holmes 25 second half points for the Flyers, and the Billikens fall below 500 now at eight and nine. Meanwhile, Alabama trounced Mizzou 93-75. But the score of the game, Brook and Dan, was not really what the story of the game was. No, it was what happened with Nate Oates. If you saw in the video there, you could see Nate Oates shoving Adrian Aiden Aiden Shaw, excuse me, Aiden Shaw during last night's game. And it prompted a lot of people to ask why exactly he would do that, why he would get involved in that way. And here's what Dennis Gates had to say about the situation. Nate, Nate apologized after the game. I, I've known Nate since he was a high school coach in, in Detroit. Uh, but I just posed the question, if that was players in a huddle with a hand on an opponent, what would take place? It would be an automatic technical foul, right? I thought I saw two referees in a huddle. It wasn't a technical foul. But that's the question I would pose. If it was players making hand contact, what would take place? I'm, I'm proud of Aiden Shaw and his ability to restrain himself and his teammates' ability to restrain themselves. But again, um, you know, Nate apologized after the game. I like what Dennis Gates said there. Now, what do you guys think about that whole situation? I personally think that Nate Oates was out of line. 
Yeah, you can't touch a kid. I mean, you can't touch a player. There is no chance that you should be able to do that. And immediately, it should be a technical foul. And yes. if it's not a technical foul, then you're ejected. You you cannot, as a head coach, touch an opposing player. It, and it's really not that hard to break it down. You touch an opposing player, you should be ejected. Pretty simple. Yeah. I don't understand why he got away with that. And the game was chippy all night long. And it gets chippy when referees don't handle it early and I think when you handle it early you take some of that stuff out of the chippiness of a game if you call it differently you don't have the scenario that unfolded uh, last night at Alabama Alabama by the way Tuscaloosa was like shut down because of weather Mm -hmm. and after the under 16 timeout fans are told they could move closer I thought that also had a huge effect on the game and some of the tempers that were going on the crowd was into it and it just got to be a situation where that shouldn't happen I'm not saying that Missouri should have won but I am saying that Nate Oates should have been ejected from the game, or I, at least a T. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, and I just don't understand why it got to the point. Now, he tried to go and say that he was breaking up a fight, but you guys saw the video in the situation. Do you feel like that that was no. what was happening there? No, I think the the I just think tempers were raised, and Nate Oates took it too far, and he shouldn't have touched an opposing player. And like I said, it's either a T, Randy, or an injection. Yeah, I, I would say that a technical foul would have served everybody well and serves as a deterrent for Nate Oates if he wants to do it again. And that's a good team, and there's just and he's a good coach, and like Gates said, he's he's been around the block. There's no reason for Nate Oates to be pushing Aiden Shaw. No, and Dan, you brought this up earlier, and it was a good point about what we're kind of seeing right now with some of the college bas- basketball coaches where they're getting maybe a little bit too involved in some of that. Why is that, you think? Is it the Eric Musselman effect, or what is going on there? I, I just think that officials at times don't – control the narrative of the game meaning when I say the narrative of the game when you start getting the high tempers and the pushing and the shoving that needs to stop and these coaches are allowed to go on the floor Mm -hmm. it looks like they're playing like as a sixth man on defense get them back in the coach's box get them off the floor and make sure they don't touch an opposing player that is the worst thing that can possibly happen yeah I agree with you Meanwhile, the Blues are back in action tomorrow night. They'll take on the Capitals in Washington, D.C. We'll have that action for you at 6 o'clock, the pregame at 5 here on 101 ESPN. Jim Harbaugh, after interviewing with the Los Angeles Chargers, has interviewed with the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons also have interviewed Bill Belichick. And these are the two hot names. I'm interested to find out once... The process takes place. Who else these two coaches interview with? I'd be surprised if, for example, Belichick didn't interview with the Chargers. And if the teams have their way, who are they going to choose? By the way, have the Atlanta Falcons already, which team was it? They've already interviewed like seven or eight candidates. I think it was the Falcons. It's just done, it's been done quietly. The big one was obviously Jim Harbaugh. Anywhere Belichick goes is going to be big as as well. It just seems to me that if you're Jim Harbaugh and if you're the Chargers, it it seems to be the right fit. He's got a franchise QB locked up till 2029. It just seems to be the right fit for me as I look at what the scenarios that are unfolding. And I want to see the evil empire of Jerry Jones and Bill <laughs> Belichick down in Dallas. I want to see yeah, that. It'd be great theater. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's where it goes back to my take it or leave it earlier from that report from Jerry Jeremy Fowler where he was talking about that he is seeking to coach a talented but underachieving team in Bill Belichick. That just sounds like the Cowboys. It has it written all over it. 
it feels like a marriage made in hell, but at the same time, it will be interesting to watch. Don't you think, though, that Bill Belichick, if he could choose, if you're in his shoes, don't you think that he wishes or wants that Chargers job? It depends for me of, of how much player personnel he has a say in of all these places mm-hmm. and how much he's willing to give up or how much a organization is willing to give him. And the Chargers have a ton of cap issues. They're going to have to let good players get away. And that's one of the differences between these two franchises. Do you take the, the franchise with the quarterback that doesn't have the cap space where you kind of have to rebuild a little bit, or do you go where the cap space is where you have to find the quarterback? I would just as soon go where the quarterback is. And by the way, the, the Chargers already have a left tackle, which benefits them. They have a pass rusher in Bosa, which benefits them. What you want to have is a quarterback, a guy to protect your quarterback, a guy to catch passes from your quarterback, and then a couple of corners. And the Chargers have pretty much everything you need they to do. be a winning team. To your point, though, Randy, Chargers have to cut $35 million to become compliant with next year's cap. Atlanta has the eighth overall pick, and they've got $35 million right now in cap room. Yeah. So two different sides of the spectrum there in terms of the, the cap and what they can do and how you know much cushion there is for both those franchises. And Ian Rappaport reporting that your Titans, Brooke, will interview Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator today. Uh, here's what he's got. Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator of the Rams, interviewing with the Panthers today. And then he has the Commanders on Thursday and the Seahawks on Friday. So Raheem Morris is a busy man. And the Chargers and Falcons have requests in for him. And then Jeff Ireland, assistant uh, GM of the Saints, is going to interview with the Chargers for their GM today. And as we mentioned, Dan Quinn interviews with the Titans today and the Panthers today. So Dan Quinn is a busy man. Didn't Dan well. Quinn seem to like be the right fit with Seattle? But then after you watch what's happened with Dallas defensively, I, I, I just, I'd be I, a little cautious, I think. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I don't... I, I'm more inclined to look at a whole season rather than one playoff game. Sure. And I, I, I'm willing to... And not that there weren't mistakes made against Green Bay, but that wasn't all his fault. And by the way, You've got a pick six. You've got a uh, interception that is uh, returned inside the well inside the red zone. I think it was inside the ten. So uh, yes, their defense was deficient. The Cowboys' defense was deficient. But I number one wouldn't blame him for that. And number two, if he has to coordinate the defense in Seattle, that's a problem. What I want from my head coach is Dick Vermeil. I want a CEO. I want a guy that's going to hire good assistant coaches and let them do their jobs and tell them I love them. (laughs) <laughs> Tell them I love them. Uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised about the Dan Quinn with the Titans. But then again, of course, they're going to interview a lot of people. I think that maybe the feeling amongst Titans fans is they're wanting more of an offensive-minded coach, a la Bobby Slowick. That's what I was hoping for, even a Ben Johnson. And I know that's asking for a lot. But still, I think that that's what you're hoping for in Brooke, Tennessee. Tell me this, as a Titans fan, isn't Dan Quinn Mike Vrabel light? It, it is. <laughs> it feels like it's, that's what makes it interesting is that was my first thought. I was like, oh, so we're just going to do the same thing over again. Okay. <laughs> there you have your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we talked a little bit about the Hall of Fame ballot, and we know that you have some thoughts about the 2024 Hall of Fame ballot as well. And you can weigh in with your mic drops or your text next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley here along.
alongside Randy Carricker and Danny Mack and Matthew Rocchio. And we were discussing this earlier, talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame ballots. And, of course, you have the Baseball Writers Association putting in their votes. But you know what matters here? I think that our vote should count, guys. And you guys put together some great ballots. So just to go back over it, we'll start with you, Dan. Who do you have on your Hall of Fame ballot for this year? So I went Carlos Beltran, Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, even though he played at Coors Field. Uh, went with Andrew Jones, one of the great defensive center fielders of his time, of his era. And that's why I also think that Jim Edmonds should be in, one of the reasons. Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, Francisco Rodriguez, Gary Sheffield, Omar Vizquel, one of the top five defensive shortstops ever. And then Billy Wagner, who looks like he's going to get in. It also looks like Todd Helton will get in and Adrian Beltre would get in this year, too. I am pretty close to your ballot. I have Beltron and Beltray in. I have Mark Burley in as well. Uh, Burley is going to be a darling of the numbers people. He wasn't a regular 20-game winner, but he was also on a franchise that, for the most part, wasn't great. He's He was a number one pitcher, though, and really deserves to be in Baseball's Hall of Fame. So after Burley, I'm with you, Dan. I have Todd Helton. I also have Andrew Jones. In addition to the great defense, he hit 434 home runs and had a career 823 OPS. And the great story of his wonderful uh exploits as a 19-year-old in the World Series. That just adds to the story. I do not have people that were suspended for steroids, so I don't have Manny or A-Rod in there. I have Francisco Rodriguez, fourth all-time in saves, Billy Wagner, sixth all-time in saves, and then I have Gary Sheffield as well, who is one of the great hitters that I've ever seen. He was Heck, I put him in the Hall of Fame just because he was so much fun to watch hit. There you go. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. Now, I want to go back because we were getting some texts in with this, and you just mentioned it there, Jim, and some people had some questions about Jim Edmonds uh, and about him, why he isn't getting into the Hall of Fame. So from three and four, can you guys explain why Berkman and Edmonds are not at least still on the ballot? It's amazing to me. Jim Edmonds received 2.5% of the votes, and so that took him off the ballot after just one year. Four-time All-Star, eight gold gloves. If you want to get into advanced metrics, he had an OPS plus of 132. So that's slugging percentage, on-base percentage, takes into account ballpark factors, things like that. It's better than Kirby Puckett. It's better than Andre Dawson. And it's only four back of Ken Griffey Jr., who many thought at that era was the premier, and understandably so, the premier center fielder of his time. You can make the case, though, when they both got to their respective teams, Jimmy in St. Louis, Ken Griffey in Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. Jimmy was the better player because he could stay on the field, and Ken Griffey Jr. could not. Lance Berkman, by the way, way, received less than 5% of the votes. It took him off the ballot Mm -hmm. as well. And he's one of the great uh, switch hitters that ever played the game. I, I truly believe that. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure Matt Holliday would be considered a Hall of Famer. I think they're in the Hall of Fame of really, really, really good players. Jim Edmonds, an eight-time Gold Glover with a 9.03 career OPS, and he is all over postseason highlights from when he got to the Cardinals in 2000 until the time he left after the 2007 season. You cannot have you cannot look at one of the Cardinal postseasons when he was a member of the Cardinals. No doubt, he where he didn't make monster plays. I, I'm with you. I I think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't know. And, and I wonder if, number one, I, I don't think his era helped him uh, because he's a guy that had he almost 400 career home runs, right? 
how many career? He had uh, yeah, three, three, 393. Yeah. If he if he gets to four hundred, it might be a different animal. That's isn't it crazy? How weird you get it to, is. You yeah. round those numbers out. Yep. You get like for forever. It was five hundred home runs. Yep. And, and crime in. dog. Crime dog was at four ninety four, right? <laughs> yeah. And didn't make it in for a long time. If he would have hit six more home runs, I, th- I believe that it would have been different for different for Edmonds. But I think the other thing that hurt Jim Edmonds is people thought, okay, well he played on a team with. Uh, Pools. Pools was a man. He played on a team with another Hall of Famer, Ro- Famer Roland. Roland was a man. He played on a team with Yachty. Yachty was a man. He played on a team with Beltran. Bell. I, I think that people thought that, okay, how can he be a Hall of Famer when he was the fourth or fifth best player on his team? Now, that might not be the case, but I think that voters probably don't look at him the way they should have. Generally speaking, they don't take into account defensive players either. Right, right. Uh, and Jimmy eight, Edmonds, eight gold gloves, mm-hmm. eight gold gloves, and was in my mind at his era the preeminent defensive player in center field at that time. Um, now, Ozzy, Ozzy had a great career, known for his glove. Omar Vizquel, I'm putting him in, known for his glove, but rarely do you say, "Well, that player got in because of his defense." Ever. I mean, no. you hardly ever, ever no. hear that. What Does that also frustrate you maybe a little bit with the voting process and how it works? I wish there were more people that had a voice. I mm-hmm. understand it's the baseball writers of America mm-hmm. that make that choice, but there's some that, that don't care. And they just fill out a ballot without watching or knowing or understanding advanced metrics, and they just fill out a ballot. Uh, not all. I think some take it very, very seriously, and it's – it, and they should. It's an important, important part of someone's life, and it's it's life changing. There's no doubt. But uh, I wish that there were others that had a voice. And they've weeded out a lot of the people. It used to be that if you had worked at the Sporting News, which was based in St. Louis at the time, you got to vote. Howard Balzer, who and he, he admitted this on the air, he didn't cover baseball at all. He never right. went to baseball games until the postseason. But he had a Hall of Fame ballot. And that and Bob Costas and Vin Scully couldn't vote for the Hall of Fame, even though they were around it every single day. So that is something that I agree with you could be solved with. Uh, and by the way, I think former Hall of Famers do Hall, former Hall of Famers vote in baseball veterans committee. Mm. OK, but but not uh, not with the writers, no. only the writers. vote. Right. I, I think that would help. But I think the other problem that I see is people and closers have been woefully underrepresented. They're penalized because of the position that they play. DHs, too. I don't think that you should be penalized if you're a DH. If you're the best DH, then I think you should be considered for the Hall of Fame. Same with closers. How about Scott Rowland? He's only like the eighth or ninth third baseman yeah. to ever be inducted into baseball's <laughs> Hall Crazy, of Fame. That, yeah. That's insane. There are, And I'm with you. I think there are, especially with closers, although the role of the closer has really changed. Bruce Suter was going multiple innings. Now you see guys come in for maybe one inning mm-hmm. and get the save or get the out and they get the save. Um, but there is something different, though, at the back end of a game to get the final out. There just is. Mm-hmm. The yes. pressure of doing that as opposed to getting it in the seventh or the eighth inning. I'm not taking away seventh or eighth inning guys. They're very important as, as well. It's a role in baseball, but getting the final out is a different animal. And I think that you have to take a look at that. Yep. By the way, Mark Burley, 214 wins, 160 losses. He started 493 games in his career, threw 3,300 innings. Uh, he was just a bulldog out there all the time. If you go down, you talk about what you want most, what the Cardinals were looking for. Here's Mark Burley's career after his rookie year. 
32 starts, 34, 35, 35, 33, 32, 30, 34, 33, 33, 31, 31, 33, 32, 32. Kept his team in his uh, t- his team in the game all the time. He was, as far as I'm concerned, uh, an easy Hall of Famer. I know that it's really tough for the writers to conceptualize what I'm talking about, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. What was his career ERA, Randy? 3.81. 3.81. That's in the DH American League. And strikeouts? Uh, He was not a huge strikeout guy. Mm -hmm. 1,870 strikeouts and strikeouts per nine, only 5.1. Yeah, and that'll hurt him when you look at advanced metrics. And, And now you don't take into account... 200 to me Wainwright getting to 200 wins puts him in the conversation of the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's going to get in, but I think he certainly certainly do a conversation about it and I wonder if he'll when he gets on the ballot, he will get on the ballot if uh you know, they look at the the 200 wins and look, they they don't look at wins a lot of times anymore. It's the advanced metrics, but these writers should understand that more than anybody. They're part yeah. of the ones that created it. Yeah, exactly. That's Dan and I'm Brooke. And coming up next, we're going to we got some text in about this, guys, because there's some breaking news coming out. We discussed this a little bit earlier, but we're going to get into it a little bit more. Amazon is investing in Diamond Sports. What does that mean for Major League Baseball and for the Cardinals? That's coming up next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. other sports have a problem on their hands with the fact that Diamond Sports, the parent company of Bally Sports, is in bankruptcy. And this morning it was announced that Amazon and Diamond Sports have reached an agreement in which Diamond Sports' largest creditors will allow it to emerge from bankruptcy because of an infusion of cash from Amazon. So Bally will continue operations and prevent a total collapse of the RSN system where the NBA, NHL, and MLB would have to step in to take over production and distribution of most most of their teams. Diamond owns 18 networks under the Bally banner, 11 in Major League Baseball, 15 in the NBA, and 11 in the NHL. The interesting part of this is that Major League Baseball owns their streaming rights for the most part. There are five teams that they allow Bally to stream games for, but they want their streaming rights. And they said last week they weren't interested in a Bally Amazon deal. I I would assume because they don't want Amazon to have their streaming rights. They want them for themselves. Nothing by the way, is noted in here about Major League Baseball agreeing with this, and it would have to be approved by the Department of Justice, I believe, to allow this takeover to take place. But a really interesting move in that Amazon, with trillions of dollars, is ready to help out Diamond Sports. It is. I think it's a little bit confusing, and at first, because if you remember, it was just last week that we were talking about that Amazon approached Major League Baseball with a deal for $150 million, and that was something that Major League Baseball rejected. So then you're trying to figure out what does this mean that Amazon is trying to get involved? And I think that was an important clarification that you said, Randy, is that the Cardinals, if everybody's worried about the Cardinals in this situation, they own their streaming rights not the Diamond Sports. MLB group. does. Yes. The Cardinals yes. have no control yes. themselves. And that's, but that's the thing. If you're worried about that, it is Major League Baseball that owns their own rights. Yeah. But is this creating a situation where Amazon is kind of trying to force themselves into this conversation of sports in general and possibly with Major League Baseball? The number one thing is 
getting accessibility for everybody. And I don't think we know the answer to that. Would you agree as you yeah. read that out, yeah. Randy? I mean, I, I, they have to be able to access the games. No matter where you're at, if you're in the home market, you have to be able to access the games. And in the case of the Cardinals, when you're talking about the the region, it's not just St. Louis, but the region and the surrounding states, you could be in a particular county and not pick up the Cardinals, and you're a huge Cardinal fan. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest problem, is that you have to be able to get it as a consumer wherever you may be. Mm -hmm. Period. End of story. Right. Now, this is important. Customers will be able to access their local team's content, according to what they're saying, uh, on prime video channels where Diamond has rights. So that's here in St. Louis. Let's just use that as an example. Pricing and availability will be announced at a later date. Regional sports content will remain available on cable and satellite providers. So this Cardinals contract that has something like eight years left, I would assume, will remain on DirecTV and on Spectrum for as long as the contract goes. I just am intrigued to find out what Major League Baseball's reaction to this is going to be. If they haven't commented yet, I'm assuming they're taking it all in, right? (laughs) And just saying, okay, now, just like all of us, they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, now what does this mean? And the other part of this, too, is what does it mean for MLB.com, right? I mean, yes. that's part yeah. of it, too, yeah. is, is, for instance, I am a great example of that. I have the MLB baseball package. I love it, but there are times I can't get certain games when I'm in certain areas of that particular team. And it, it needs to be accessible whenever I get a chance to watch that home team to be able to take in what they provide. I could get it later. I just couldn't get it live. And mm-hmm. that was a problem. Yeah. Now, this might be a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Does this push the Cardinals into more of where they're creating that network? I know that they have been discussing that, and that was a topic mm-hmm. of discussion with the winter warmups. Does this push them more in that direction of creating their own network? I don't think so, because they still have eight or nine years left on their contract right. with Bally. And as long as Bally is around, they have to adhere to that contract. Mm. As long as Bally keeps paying the rights fees, which this will allow them to do, they'll remain a Bally yep. property until the end of that contract. Do you think that they still are going to be pursuing that avenue, though? Because eventually you do have to have all of those different things in line with where everything is going. They have learned a lot over the last couple of years because they're preparing, and Major League Baseball is preparing for this. And my guess would be that once the contracts with Bally run out, regardless of the su- success they have with Amazon, my guess is that MLB will ultimately take everything in-house themselves. Yeah, and that run makes it themselves. sense. And I, I would guess if you wanted to look at a, an MLB model for what where they're headed, I, I would think it, it'll be kind of a hybrid. But at its core, I think it'll be like the MLS deal on Apple. Is this a way then to have more parity in what you pay in terms of your mm-hmm. payroll and what comes into every organization? How does that change yeah. as you move forward, too? Well, that's the thing. Are the Yankees going to want to give up? Exactly. And the Dodgers going to yeah. want to give up their TV revenue so that Major League Baseball can be under one umbrella? It never has been under one umbrella. So that's a, a great question. And uh, they don't have league think in baseball like they do in football. In football, all of the national television revenue is split between the owners. Baseball, especially because of George Steinbrenner, has never been amenable to that. And people wonder, like, how are the Dodgers able to do this? Well, their TV contract is seven point five billion. Mm-hmm. Guggenheim manages over mm-hmm. three hundred billion in assets. So 
They can afford to do this, and, and, and other teams aren't on par with that. Well, they're, and they're willing to roll the dice. Not really roll the dice, but they're willing to work hard for it because they go out and sell it themselves. They, they with Spectrum, own their own network, and the Dodgers salespeople are able to go out to, let's think of a, a big business, let's just say Bank of America. Dodgers walk into Bank of America and say, okay, I've got signage at Dodger Stadium where we draw 45000 every single night. I've got radio that everybody listens to if they're in their car, and I've got TV. I can sell all of these entities to you, and it's one big package. And Bank of America, I can give it to you for $2.5 million a year. And Bank of America says, well, that's a lot of different avenues that I've got my name. I'm at Dodger Stadium. I'm on the radio. I'm on TV. That is how the Dodgers are making so much money. And that's one thing I think the Cardinals could do really well, even with the loss of all of our, not all of our, but so many of our Fortune 500 headquarters. I think in this market, with as with what the Cardinals are, I think the Cardinals would do really well to sell that way. One of the interesting things about the Dodgers TV deal, as great as it looks like on paper with $7.5 billion in rights fees, the penetration of that in getting into homes yeah, is awful. Hey, yeah. Yeah. It's as bad as anybody's. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the funny point of it. Not funny, but you know what I'm saying. It's kind of the ironic point of what we're talking about. And they, they're asking for a ton of money. And it's, is it they aren't on direct TV? Because it's partially owned by Spectrum. Correct. And I, I think it's because the Spectrum is gonna, wants to charge outrageous costs. And I don't know if they ever did settle it and get on. I don't think most they have. TV, yeah. no. TVs in LA. What no. are your thoughts on Amazon Prime getting more involved in the sports side of the business? And by the way, they already carry some of the Yankees games and mm-hmm. Nets games, which are produced by yeah. the Yes Network. What are your thoughts on Amazon Prime getting more involved in the sports world? They, they can do pretty much what they want. Yeah, they can. <laughs> They've got enough yeah. money to do what yep. they want. Who, who doesn't? Any, anybody that doesn't have Amazon Prime? Any, anybody done? I yeah. I didn't want to cave in, but man, it is so nice just getting your packages as quickly yeah. as possible. Yeah. I I don't know anybody that doesn't have Amazon Prime. No, you guys go to malls anymore? No, no. Well, I, I now and then, but. Usually no. Just to get a little exercise in, Randy, just to walk the mall. <laughs> walking. Are, yeah. you, are you one of the people who is power like, walking. yeah, power walking around? <laughs> so it'll be interesting. And I'm I'm interested to hear, and we'll talk to Greg Amsinger tomorrow morning about this, but I'm interested to hear what Major League Baseball's reaction is going to be because yeah. I don't think that, uh, I, I don't think that they're going to be completely thrilled because I think MLB wants to own and have control yes. over their product. Maybe they shouldn't have sold BAM. I think they want control, but I think they also want money. And this can be a headache, too, you know, trying to control your own rights. Yep. If you have a guaranteed check coming in, a little bit easier to deal with that as opposed to trying to go out yeah. and handle this all in-house. And I'm guessing that the Amazon check won't bounce. No, it no, won't. I You'll mean, be fine. I, they have plenty of funds. They have plenty of funds there. Coming up, rock and roll here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Time for rock and roll here on the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Uh, Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, as we know uh, from earlier in this week, Jason Kelsey had apparently announced his retirement when he got up in front of the Eagles in the postgame after their loss to the Buccaneers. Well, there was a new Heights episode. That is the podcast that Travis and Jason Kelsey uh, do together that was released uh, about 19 hours ago or so. And uh, here was uh, Jason's uh, words from himself about his uh, supposed retirement. 
you know, Nick kind of gave me an opportunity to talk. I didn't announce what I was doing on purpose, despite, I guess, what's been leaked to the media. I just don't think you're in a position after a game like that to really make that decision. I just don't. There's too much emotion in the moment to really fully grasp that decision. I'm not trying to be dramatic and continue to draw this thing out. I'm really not. It's just something that I think, uh, you know, when it's time to officially announce you know, what's happening in the future. It'll be done in a, in, in a way that's, you know, definitive and pays respect to a lot of people and uh, individuals that have meant a lot to me and has led to the career I've had. Yeah. But I did address the team and pretty much said the same thing that I just said to you, which is, you know, I got belief in every single one of you guys, you know, cherish the moment you have in this league. A lot of guys like, you know, if that is your last game, I feel sorry for you. And I'm like, you don't feel sorry for me, motherfucker. <laughs> I've had a <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel sorry for me. Uh, it's pretty uh, oh, to the point. Yeah, hell I just yeah, want to play it out there because if you, if you listen intently and if you watch the video, you can see that, that Jason Kelsey goes from joking around to almost immediately breaking down. And you hear Travis, hell yeah, brother. And you can hear the sniffling starting from Travis, uh, from, from Travis Kelsey. I mean, Jason Kelsey, excuse me, because he was, he was about to start breaking down live on the pod, and I'm pretty sure he did if you watch the extended version. Wow. What's the best way to go out? Just to announce your retirement, move on, or to address the team after a tough loss and your season's over. People pretty much knew that was it. Should you hold a press conference? I don't I know. If, if you are somebody that has some flair, I think uh, having a going-away press conference is cool. I, I'm I think, with you. I do. Uh, yeah. Steve Young had a fabulous going-away press conference. I wish I could find it on YouTube, but it was so cool. I'll miss the smell of walking out of that tunnel into <laughs> Candlestick Park. Yeah, I'll miss the smell of that pee. You know, it was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was oh great. God. And just, you know, he described everything that he loved about football and what he would miss. I, I think that's the way to go. I, uh, some guys aren't really good with going-away press conferences. Yeah. And for some people, like Chris Carpenter, never has uttered the word retirement. Even mm. when he had the press conference, he would never use the word retirement. So some of them are pretty memorable. Jason Kelsey, it makes a lot of sense, I think, to do the press conference. Of course, he'll address his teammates probably privately first. I am confused. So he's not retiring. Well, is basically what he's saying. He is retiring. Did we just get Tom Brady? Is that, that what just happened is, there? I think a lot of people are running at this as, as players maybe not liking that the guys like Schefter break the news for them. And they're trying oh. to and he's trying to say, you know, in the post from New Heights when they posted this clip was uh, when you want to hear from the big man, you hear from the big man himself and so they're essentially I, I think he's probably going to retire but I think his point is that he's a little perturbed that it got out that way that it wasn't official that he didn't even say in the room I'm retiring it was everyone took his messaging as that being his as that being his message and then it gets to Schefter gets reported and then you hear his kind of jab like not really what the media is saying right now like you're saying I mean Brady risked his marriage just to <laughs> stick it in Schefter's craw a little bit. And so I think there's maybe some players getting a little sick of it. I, I do agree with that. I think that it should be the player that is saying that, especially if you're told something. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure the full story behind what happened going back with Adam Schefter and Tom Brady, but it should be the player who is announcing their retirement, yeah. not the reporter. Unless they told the reporter, yeah, go ahead and run with it. But if you're trying to get ahead and be first to the story... I never think that that's okay. Makes me laugh when I think about Big Mac and the way that he retired. Yeah. It wasn't on Twitter, wasn't on Facebook. It was with a fax machine. To <laughs> Rich Eisen at ESPN. Yes. I love that. Of all people, to Rich Eisen. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. How did that happen? Yeah, interesting. I don't know. I, I think it's uh, the going away press conference is pretty cool. I also think sometimes walking away, it, it adds intrigue to it. 
Mm. You walked away mm. and just the person wanted to walk away and it was time for them to move on in their lives and I'm okay with that too. Well, a Barry little Sanders, Irish right? exit. No, yes. we, we've actually got a documentary about the way Barry Sanders walked away and nobody mm-hmm. ever knew why. Sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. That's what I want to do. I just want to... I'll, I'll tell you guys on a Friday. And, uh, this is it, guys. I don't even expect no. that. I just—it's a Monday, and you don't show up. That might happen too. Let's not like, do that. No, I, I wouldn't do that to you guys. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, okay. not soon. Please don't do that. The, don't Irish exit us, please. <laughs> got many years left, Randy. <laughs> oh yeah, in this great mm-hmm. business, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you I mean, want many years, or is that you just saying I'm, I'm not going to have many years? I, I, I just—you uh, never know how many years you have. Yeah. Oh man. We're all day to day. Oh, uh, yes, uh-oh. This is this is taking a turn. <laughs> this is taking Let's let's get it back on track. Anyways, Jason oh, yeah. Kelsey. Uh, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic went shot for shot last night as the 76ers and the Nuggets had an incredible one. Now I know what it feels like to be 80 cuz I got to watch two 7-footers battle out in an NBA game. <laughs> that's what everyone everyone's always like you guys never understand what it was like when we used to have seven footers because that's just a thing that doesn't exist in the NBA anymore also the Suns came out had a 22 point comeback in the fourth quarter KD, KD Beal and Booker and they get that figured out I don't care what the record is that's going to be dangerous this year and watch mm-hmm. it because it's fun and the St. Louis kids killing it it's a hot take right there it's not really it's, 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 it's KD Beal and hot. Booker is them being good <laughs> really a hot take it's a hot take it's not a hot take hot at all NBA it's, take. it's the most boring it's the most basic NBA take right now the Suns are better than their record that's the most boring one I can make right now what's everybody gonna do with their happy hump day Oh, that's a great question. I think I'm going to have Chick-fil-A. For some reason, I'm craving Chick-fil-A right now. I went now. over to the Chick-fil-A in De Pere the other day. My buddy Dave Bruce is the owner over there. They they are the nicest people in the world. Over at, uh, There's a new one opening up here on Olive, too. And the one at, at Maryland Heights at Dorset <gasps> Don't McKelvey tell me that, Dan. Yep, right down the street, Brooke. You're going to be at Chick-fil-A. Oh, I love Chick-fil-A. I, we got to find out when that opens, because apparently there's a deal. Like, if you're the first hundred people in line, you camp out, you get free Chick-fil-A for a year. I'll be the first person in that line. You guys will just see me camping out right in front you gotta of it. you got to find out when. Maybe we need to do a remote. Ooh. That's a good idea. We I need like the this. first ones in line. I, I know people. <laughs> I know people that can help us out. That would be perfect. Do I do the cow suit again to throw it back to when I was younger? Dan, I used to work at Chick-fil-A when oh, I was okay. a young girl. That was okay. actually my first job. And at the one I worked at in particular, you had to do every single job so that you understood. And I had to do the cow suit a couple of times. That's okay. I, I dressed up as Fredbird one time. Really? Yeah. We were on a uh, caravan, and I said, you know what? I want to be Fred Bird tonight, and I turned into Fred Bird. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. It's a lot hotter and it's harder. It's really hot. It gets hot in there so yes. quickly. You're like, oh, man. I don't know how the Fred Birds do it down at Bush Stadium. It is no. blistering hot. They're in that suit, and it is Wait, brutal. Fred Birds? There's, there's multiple. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> right. What are you telling me? Next, there's multiple Santas. That's how he covers the globe. What, what are you just kill, killing dreams over here? The Santa's real. Oh. Fred Bird's not real? Not? Fred Bird, it, it's, <laughs> he bit it's my in, head off. It's in the eye of the beholder. Oh, okay. Oh, no. What's wrong Uh-oh. with you, Randy? Randy's world is crushed right now. Remember, there was, I said, I just don't know about this Fred Bird's anymore. because there was Mrs. Fred Bird at one point, too. Oh, yeah. I remember she came into the booth with you guys, right? Yeah. With you and T- uh, Timmy McCarver? I believe so. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I remember that. That was funny. That was yeah. Funny. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, well, I know what I'm going to do with my my uh, hump day. Oh yeah, we didn't figure out you. the other Fredbirds. Well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna lay down and try to process. This. <laughs> yeah. Come to grips with the Birds? reality there. Birds. <laughs> we got T Mac and Ajax coming up with a balloon party coming up after our program, and then you've got uh, BK and Ferrario featuring Tanner Hendrickson uh, from 11 to 2.
And then from 2 to 6, you've got the fast lane without Jamie Rivers. So it'll be Anthony Stalter and former member of the opening drive, Kerry Davis. There you go. Yes. But he's still a member of 101 ESPN. And Thank still, goodness. Still Super part of champ. our hearts. Yeah. They had great football talk. I was riveting. Oh, it was riveting. I'm yeah. Dean Serious. It was awesome yesterday mm-hmm. with he and Anthony. Loved it. Oh, it's great stuff. Uh, thank you to our producer and audio and video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. Cool. Just yes. It was, of course. It wasn't glorious. Lots of fun. It was glorious. Okay. Good. I still, I'm also processing this Fred it's Bird's. Hard. Information. It's so it's difficult. It's a shocking ending. Uh, Danny, good to see you. Always great to be with you guys. Thanks. Yeah, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great hump day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.